trees down the seven bridges road welcome to episode 98 of cowboy shit with ted and wacy i'm ted he's wacy it's sunday night we're a little tired might be a little uh hungover very um, hungover how many ranch waters did you have to drink to get that hung over, Wacy? Oh man, I 72? honestly I lo- I lost track of the night. Uh, yeah, you blacked out, out eh? Blacked out. That's uh, not a very um, good example for the children, Wacy. I don't, and I can't even t- speak to that because that's right. You're true. That's a true. That's a true fact. But I am who I am, so that's fine. I woke Wacy, up this morning. It's okay. I I uh, I blacked out on. Friday, I did too many. Sometimes it just sometimes it just gets away from you. Got a lot of hand. Had too many tequilas yeah. with bears, dad, and and uh, it's one of those things where you like a, a big party night. You like think that you're like this, this invincible person, so you're like crushing shots yeah. and like drinking drinks a little fast, and then next thing you know, you blank out and don't remember a damn thing. So uh, that's <laughs> fun. your truck down the hill. Apparently, like, uh, the apparently, uh, Orin Larson and I got into a wrestling match on the dance floor, so that's fun. And that's probably not good for you because Orin actually knows how to wrestle. Yeah, I still, I know, and I still would wrestle him anyways. Fucking oh, bitch. dear. Um, <laughs> that was a fun time. Uh, but oh, yeah, no, it was good, man. Good. It was nice to uh, my good buddy Kane. So, Orange's brother got married. So, mm-hmm. I've been, and I've been, it's funny. I was, we're Kane and I are talking about it. I've been like most of his like big life moments. Like, I went to his high school grad. Um, and I was wedding. And, like, I spent a few birthdays with him and like rodeo and growing up. And yeah, it's kind of, it's kind of funny how, how close we've stayed over the years, which is fun. So, I was happy to be part of their day. Good times. Good times. Yeah, um, but I'm feeling that, man. This my, my August has been killing me with the weddings and stags and everything. I'm hanging on by a thread. You've been going hard in the paint, man. Oh, dude. You've been really doing it. Yeah. Really doing it. yeah. But uh, I was at the Glen Keeley uh, Memorial PBR over the weekend. Had a pretty large time at the L4L Ranch. Um, Nick Tetz, huge uh, wins first and second. Spurtable, like. I think he kicked up past his ear. Like he was trying. Oh man, I watched the videos of them. They're awesome. Yeah. He was trying yeah. to do his best Glenn Keeley impression. So it was. Yeah, he was it giving them uh, the boots. I was yeah, great. It was great. Well done by Nick. He also actually asked me after the event. He's like, Ted, can I get? Can I request a walk up song? And I was like, Fuck yeah, hook me up. Tell me what you want. So so we got a new song coming for uh, for Nick. But when is uh, it? I'm not telling. Be surprised in Lethbridge on the back on the Cup series, man. Tune in. Find out. TSN. I'm not tuning in. Or whenever <laughs> busy that day <laughs> anyways uh congrats to nick great uh great work i thought we were gonna see two 90s in the short round he was like 90 points like second guy out in the short round and i was like holy ass. shit this might be one of those nights we see more than 190 he's 89 and a half right? on a second one wasn't he i think just 89 but still bear lightbound gotta give kudos to him uh guest of a couple different episodes of cowboy shit he threw down two 45s last night waste two of those 45s i did tell him yeah, Bear did. I had to tell him before the well, show. I was people. like, Bear, I'm on the radio here tonight. Hope I hear a couple 45s from you over there. Make, don't make none of those 44, none of that 44 bullshit. I want to hear some 45s up in here. So, yeah. Yeah. He, he, did, he did it twice, two times. Two times. Two times. Yeah. Two times. That's awesome. That's great. Um, hey, Cowboy Shit is sponsored by a number oh. of wonderful companies. We have a long list of friends that we have. Yeah, friends now. of the show. One of them being Manscaped. Who is the leader in men's grooming in the world? I think is what they say. Um, Manscaped offers precision engineering tools for your family jewels. And I like, again, 
I know I've said this like three or four times down to the wood. Doing this mask, like you can get, like you can go right on the sack, no hesitate. Like just go, enough to worry about it. It's excellent stuff. They also just launched their fourth generation trimmer, the four lawnmower 4.0, which is what Ted and I have. And we also got the reed whacker recently for the nose hairs. Yeah, Man, I use that. Oh, yeah. dude, that thing is awesome as well. It's Isn't a it? great. It's a great. It comes with a little bag too, a little travel bag. I'm impacted with me everywhere. That's awesome. Oh, you got a and travel bag with yours? I don't know if I got that with mine. It's in the bottom. You have to open up the, the packaging, like under the oh, really? under the, the holder. That's where your charger and stuff is. Oh, that's neat. Yeah, but anyways, you can own your very own Manscape. Join over two million men worldwide who trust Manscape with this exclusive offer for you from us and Manscape. Twenty percent off. Free worldwide shipping with code HUGEBUSH at manscaped.com. So go get your Manscaped. They're an awesome product. We use it. We love it. Our nuts are looking sharp. So are the nose. So is my nose hairs. Nose, no, no, no nose hairs, no nut hair. What's that, so what's that, what's that scene off of um, the other guys when he goes to that guy's place? He's like, he's like a big beard. He's wearing like a turtle. Like, he's like, you probably think that because of my beard that I'm really hairy everywhere else. And he's like, bear <laughs> <laughs> oh man that, is that a two liter of uh ginger ale yeah is that what you're that's what you're into today <laughs> yeah, Holy. Uh, yeah. Did you drink that whole thing today no 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 i had some leftover from my my past adventures these past couple of weeks so oh man do you still like have I those said, beers from preston stag i, I haven't left them beers. they haven't left my car man i'm gonna need some of those i also your car looks kind of full are your goalie pads still in there too just they were they were taking them out for a while <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's one of those things man like i'm just living day by day just giving, like i use <laughs> just like trying to it, survive it takes me it takes me from like from like monday to thursday to feel normal again after the weekends i've been having really? and i mean it's one of those things too like i don't want to complain because i've been having lots of fun celebrating like my family family and friends getting married um going on sex whatever like there's it's been such a fun summer but it's been a heavy summer like my credit card is not happy with me i'm not happy with it <laughs> um my body is not happy with me. Yeah. But yeah, it's funny. Yeah. Like literally like last week after uh, we did Kane Stegg the week before his wedding and I, I didn't feel normal again until Thursday. Like legit. Oh man. Jesus. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's, I'm getting old. I almost had, I almost had a panic attack on Saturday at the Glen Keeley because I got so frigged up on Friday. Yeah. I remember, like I woke up and I was still really fucked up on Saturday morning and I, I slept in the back of the cargo trailer like Storm got a this new mattress, like a blow-up bear mattress. So I plugged it in and it blows itself up. And I like made my bed luckily before I got really messed up. But I put it in the cargo trailer, like in the speaker trailer, and it fit sideways. And then it was like totally dark in there. So then I'm like, I I like I was really messed up at Brad's house up on the hill. And then I like for some reason, you know, like the movie Due Date, where yeah. uh, where they're in the truck and and they take some I don't like they don't they take mushrooms or acid or something like they take some I kind of to, yeah some kind of yeah some kind of crazy drug yeah yeah and but but Robert Downey Jr. gets it by accident he's really I think, it's, I think it was mushrooms mushrooms so I think so. so then they're they're in the truck and then the Pink Floyd song comes on time or whatever yeah and it's like they're in a rocket ship and then they have like quite the trip that was kind of what happened to me on Friday like I was in the same, same boat <laughs> I remember at one point I was I was dancing and I was just like really vibing and feeling it man just that's the one thing i like about the, the, the shrew microdose. dose you, oh. the, the vibes are immaculate on that oh don't don't I remember do i remember kids. i remember don't at uh, i remember at preston stag when i sit on the speaker at that bar we were at the saturday <laughs> night and i was just vibing i was like yeah this is sick i could do that for days and i love that stuff it's oh awesome. so but then i like like we're out in the middle of nowhere but i like, drove my truck down the hill because it's like and it's a pretty big hill 
but that's what I felt like. Like I was in the rocket ship <laughs> driving down the hill. I was probably going like two miles an hour. But, that's awesome, man. <laughs> but I slept till nine thirty in the morning in my trailer because it Good was just like you. it was so dark. I couldn't see anything. I, I wouldn't like, be able to like sleep in, in there. Yeah, I wouldn't be able to sleep in that. Why? I would freak you out or what? The fact that it doesn't have windows, this is weird to me. Yeah, it was weird. Like, I'm not going to yeah. lie. It was very weird. Yeah, but... I wouldn't probably wouldn't sleep in there. But I had a full bed, right? Like, it's better than sleeping in the truck. Oh, or... yeah. Yeah, totally. Um, so totally. Yeah, out. yeah. Yeah. Just I don't blame you there. Unique situation. So, so, uh, yeah, man. Other fine sponsors, Wacy. Oh, yeah. We got our friends at the Circle Four Beverage Company. They yeah. got the ranch water, they got the sweet water. They are the official drink of summer, which is almost said by later. us. Summer's not over till twenty second September. Don't say okay. that. Okay, we still got a month. We still got a month of summer left, people. So right, I don't, right. I don't like that attitude around August. Where it's like, oh, summer's over. It's like actually, no, it's not. So, whatever. Anyways, Circle Four Ranch Water, Circle Four Sweet Water. Check them out. They're awesome. They've been Check on out. board. Ranchwater.ca, CircleFourBeverageCompany.com. Yeah, they've been on board with us for a few months now. So yeah, or even we are thankful for their support. Thanks to Courtney and the crew and uh, make sure you get your ranch water. Check them out. Check out the website, all the locations where you can get the this, this stuff. Hook it up. It's good. It's big fan of ranch water. We got to talk about the, our TikTok. It's popping off, dude. Man, you're a TikTok celebrity now. Hey, do, do dude, I got to like, do we got to start? Fucking, to, what, what? So our like followership on Thursday, we had 2,600 followers. Yeah. And now we're at 3,700. Ooh, that's like a thousand in like, like, four days what's your uh what's your big uh hit video at uh it was i think it's that i got one so one's at 100 and 118k mm-hmm. and then i got another one at 38 right now oh nice. another one at 18 another one at 12 that seems oh, another good. one another one that's gonna hit 10k here soon it's gonna go good man i i need to, I need to well alloc- i need to allocate a content night this week so i haven't been able, <laughs> I haven't had much time to put some together so Oh, I'll probably man. be doing that Tuesday evening. We'll be doing some TikTok content creation. We got some good stuff. <clears throat> I need to get some merch back though. My family cleaned me out of all <laughs> they my They took stuff. all your stuff? The, even the stuff that I wear. Like they took my t-shirts and my hoodies <laughs> and my hat. Like, like fucking everything, dude. They're a bunch of vultures. Oh man. So you're, you're so. It, I, legit, like I, have you, not, I have nothing. It wasn't like they, they like, you didn't give them the shirt off their back. They took it. They just yeah, they like, took that's, it. And I'm like, like, need that. They're like, I, they, I want this. And I'm like, okay, like. I've been wearing here, here it. For, I wore it a couple of times. Like that's okay. I'll wash it. Yeah. It. The, the one shirt I was wearing, I had to take it off and give it to somebody. Oh my like, god. They took the shirt off my back. So <laughs> fat, my family's hooked up with some merch now, but I need to get some oh, more wow. merch for our uh for the TikTok content so people okay. can see it. Well, come by, come see us this week. I don't know if we're gonna go golfing again now tomorrow. It's gonna be only like eleven degrees and raining again. Might get rained out two days. I think we should go. We should tough it out. Go we're only playing nine holes. It's a couple hours. Probably yeah, I'll, I'll go. I'll go. I'll go. Let's do it. Let's do it. I got a rain jacket. Okay um man there's been some cool shit happening lately around the business between you know kendall pearson wins the, the mm-hmm. national high school finals uh got to have the glenn keely i guess before that uh we were in coronation uh lots rodeo of, is back rodeo and yeah, is full back. on back and uh we've got the monster like not the monster the uh canadian cup series is back uh this weekend in in lethbridge so nice. tickets to the for the for at the nmax center friday and Saturday i'm sure that night. won't be any fun oh man Love that event. Brinson's coming back at the start of October. Nice. Yeah, let's go. Nice. One, but he'll be back in October. He's gonna he's gonna live at HQ for the whole month while we're doing the tour. He's gonna come. Nice. With us, so Sick. yeah, he'll be, be awesome. in Cowtown. Anybody knows Brinson James will be in Calgary for a few days this fall. Um, That's dope. 
but yeah, we've got a big tour planned. Uh, Grand Prairie, October 1st and 2nd. Medicine Hat, the 15th and 16th of October. Calgary, the 23rd. Saskatoon, the 29th and 30th. Then you've got the Canadian Finals. Edmonton, Rogers Place. $50,000 to the winner. Yeah, it's going to be big time. 50000 for the 50, for the Canadian champion. Another 50000 mm. for the finals champion. It's going to be a bad oh, ass. So you keep in 100 grand? It's a hundred thousand dollar day potentially. Oh basically. shit, that's it awesome! Is the real because you because like usually the person who wins the Canada is the one who does win the event. Like when yeah, Dalen quite won, often, he, quite mm-hmm. often. So it could be a hundred thousand dollar weekend. Yeah, because I think and when then, Zane, the last one Zane went to, he won the event to to win the title. I think so yeah, yeah, I think it's been pretty consistent. There's so many points at the finals. So uh, right now, Jared Parsons is in the lead for that race. Uh, again, Edmonton though, twelfth and thirteenth of November, the week after the CFR in Red Deer. Uh, and then we'll be we'll be on the road headed to uh, Agribition in Regina. We've got some news for you coming up there. Can't tell you exactly what yet. Very but soon. But we will be Exciting at Agribition with some of, some kind of a presence with cowboy shit. Just saying. We're gonna be uh, there in a big way. We're gonna be we're gonna be there. Okay. We'll talk about it more. And you're gonna want to be there. Yeah. But um, what else, ways? Ivy Park Rodeo, Beyonce. How fucking neat is that stuff? That's so cool, man. It's it's been cool to see more like of our the western fashion and western lifestyle kind of stuff in in the mainstream it's kind of a it's like one of the biggest trends in like fashion right now is like cowboy style stuff so mm-hmm. cowboy shit some might say yeah literally hey so no it's, it's been cool to see and like then you have someone like beyonce jump on board like that's massive right so oh yeah and it, like it was actually interesting there was a couple of montana silversmith buckles in the uh in the advertising so was kind of a neat deal as well when you've seen a lot of cool stuff too like like wrangler and i think billabong or quicksilver did a crossover too oh really this year and they made some like bathing suit stuff and you can see you're seeing you're seeing these companies that are like traditionally like western focused they're kind of branching out and trying to attract some more some new fans to it so it's kind of cool mm-hmm. big fan uh what what are you gonna buy you're gonna get in some Adidas, i might get the Adidas Adidas denim man i might actually i'd probably go with uh yeah the jumpsuit there's some there's some neat stuff like i i i'm uh like i guess the the western part of it would be the denim influence for but them for them to put the rodeo in and then you know it's it's too bad it's like all hay bales and everything but that's kind of what the thoughts are on a lot of it probably but yeah yeah um there's some yeah there's some interesting stuff there different different kind of pieces there's some jaw there's some joggers that i'm looking pretty tight pretty cool yeah I, I, I like it. And I, uh, I hope I think it's, that, it's uh, super cool, man. Like even like these, this, the cow print stuff, like that's so cool to me. Yeah. Different stuff. Um, yeah. but we'll, uh, I wonder where we'd see it. If it's like in any stores up here, like I wonder, that'd be uh, interesting. Yeah, I don't know. Adidas, where we can we find this stuff? Hit us up. Yeah. And then like Beyonce, if you want to be on cowboy shit, we'll, t- we'll have you on any time. I might wanna, need to get the jumpsuit for some TikTok stuff. Oh, well, that could be good. We'll have yeah, to look. We'll have to work in. Look into this Adidas business and see what we could maybe do. See yeah, it'd be kind of fun to get on board with it. I'm in. Um, I think who, who we got to talk to first though is uh, is um, this so her name's uh, Jadea Kirsch, and she's the first. She said, uh, "I'm I haven't I don't know a ton about her yet, but she's uh the first black rodeo queen in, ever hmm. from Arkansas. So she was part of the uh part of the campaign and one of the one of the models." But, but Beyonce, Beyonce reached out to her personally to give her stuff. Yeah, which is really that's cool, what man. that's what we're finding out. So I think we got to uh, I'm going to send a, a note here and see if we can get her on the show and and nice. visit it with her about and get get some of the inside scoop on it. She was in uh, Cowboys and Indians magazine here on a couple different times. I've, I've seen stuff and does some modeling work for Wrangler and 
few different things. So gonna be maybe she can help, but maybe she can help us get uh, get a hold of Beyonce for some gear. Yeah, we'll get her. We'll get today on the show first and and go there. But but I, I think it's pretty neat. That's cool stuff, man. Uh, it's it'll be interesting to see people wearing it. Yeah, maybe we can do a cowboy shit Ivy Park uh, collaboration somehow. I want the, this denim. Print, even that be? This 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 denim cow print jacket's actually pretty tight too. But if you just go Adidas, like we're on Adidas.ca slash Ivy Park, um, checking out the different pieces. But uh, yeah, um, we better wrap up this part of the show though. Wait, yeah. we got uh, one more one more segment coming yeah. up as well. We didn't mention who we're interviewing we, today. Yeah, we're talking to talking to Cody Robbins. Waste. Thanks for hooking up the show. Well, well done. Live to hunt, Cody Robbins. He's the yeah. cool guy. Yeah. Yeah, you, you guys, the people will enjoy this interview. I'm sure. Absolutely. Okay. Well, that's what we've got to this point, folks. Thanks for listening. This is Cowboy Shit. I'm Ted. He's Wacy. Episode 98, presented by Manscaped.com and Circle Four Beverage Company. Check them out at RanchWater.ca. We'll uh, catch up again here in a bit. I said a hit. So, Wacey, we've got another deal on the go right now. We uh, got deals. Yeah, we We got got deals. So many deals. We've got a sponsorship with Manscaped. Check them out. Huge Bush at manscaped.com. Use the promo code. Hook the boys up. Get yourself a lawnmower, maybe a weed whacker for all your Manscaped. Anything that you need. You need to Manscaped. I don't care what anybody says. You need to Manscaped. It's important. This 2021. I second Trim trim your bush. Trim your bush. Storm says it needs to happen. Figure it out. Finger and we can't forget about our friends at uh, Circle Four Beverages. Yeah, how about they've been that? good to us. They got the sum- they got the drink of the summer. There's still some summer left, no matter what people say. Yeah, that the end of everybody's oh, end of August is coming. Like oh, the summer's over. Summer's over. Actually, summer's not over till September 22nd. So look yeah, my people, look at nuts. A, look at a calendar, okay? Look at a calendar. <laughs> Figure it out, folks. So, anyways, we got deals, part- and we got another deal, another partner to talk about. A kind of you could kind of say a couple almost, but anyways. A new partner for this show exclusively, Mark's Work Warehouse, Canadian company, came on board for the month because, yeah, because they have the new, they have Wrangler at Mark's now. Check out this shirt. Look at that. See what it says? It's funny because Storm. It's funny because she's funny. It's funny because Storm. It's funny because it's Storm too. Right? So when I saw this, (laughs) I was like, yeah, I'm going to need that shirt. We actually peeled it off a mannequin. The lady at the store. Really? We were looking for a medium. I could have almost used a small. But anyways, we're looking, we're like, she's like, oh, this one's a medium. So we had to peel it off the mannequin. Uh, fact for the people, mannequins are weird. And uh, it's just an interesting thing. But anyways. What a huge, what a huge move for Marks, man. Yeah. Like, it's cool, man. Play. Like I spent a lot of money at that store over the years when I back in my dirty rig days. And for them to bring some Wrangler stuff in is super cool. Super cool for, and it opens up another avenue for like our, a company from our world into the mainstream. Right. And I've noticed Wrangler doing a lot of that stuff lately, which is really cool. Yeah, and locations for Marks all the way across the all the way across Canada, the whole uh, the whole basically country, anywhere right? you find a Canadian Tire, you find a Marks. And funny thing is, Canadian Tire owner of Marks Warehouse. I need the to try. Oh, so isn't that the Forzani Group or whatever? FGL. 
FGL. Yeah. Yeah. Cool, man. That's sweet. They got some cool stuff. Uh, we got the line right here in front of us. Yeah. Yeah. So Storm and I went in a while back to the, uh, what store is that called? The South it one? It was in Deerfoot Different Meadows. Meadows? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Different yeah. Meadows. So we went and checked out, uh, checked out the line, got ourselves a few things. Thanks to Mark. So I got myself a new shirt, got a couple pairs of jeans. Uh, also got a nice denim shirt. So basically I got myself a new Canadian tuxedo, just formal wear. But you can, one can never have enough Canadian tuxedos. That's right? a fun fact of life. Yeah. Ted almost lives in Canadian tuxedos. Whenever he puts on 50 his cowboy shades costume. Of denim. <laughs> 50 shades of denim. So I got myself another set, a uh, couple more sets of the slim straight. That's the jeans I wear, you know, being a slim straight guy like I am. Just got myself some 88s, the uh, old, I guess, I guess I use the, the WLT 88 BZs. That's the, that's the style. That, if you want to dress like myself from cowboy shit, like if you want the same jeans, if you want to dress wear, like Ted. If you want to dress like Ted, just wear a Canadian tuxedo. Yeah, then you win. But my style, WLT eighty eight B, like Bravo Zebra, WLT eighty eight BZ. That's my that's my jam. Make that's sure you write down the product code. I've got like I don't know, I got like eight or nine pairs of the same jeans. Yeah, it's a lot, but I'm a big fan of those ones. So I got some more of those. Then I got the the denim, the MVR four five eight D. Pretty nice waist. It's the uh, bottom left one on the shirts there. Just saying. It's a very nice shade of denim. Would recommend. Big nice. fan of that one. Then I got this nice. t-shirt. And I even got some new uh, some new Converse. Um, what do you call those? Slides. Slides. Cool slides. Yeah. Oh, yeah, because you wrecked. You mucked out your, your slides. Yeah, slides are cool. I, I lost, I I, them out. I lost one of my slides. The Pippa at, dog. Uh, yeah, Pippa ate them. Pippa ate a couple mm. of my sandals. Nice, but anyways, man. you got a couple uh, flannels shirts there. You've got a nice... Uh, Nice kind of plain white kind of striped shirt as well. One of the pieces, denim jackets, uh, seven different t-shirts. Wrangler has really tees. stepped up their graphic tee game. Right? Mm-hmm. Really. Right? Yeah. There's some cool it's ones bo- now. It's not just plain stuff anymore. They've done a really good job of no, and they're kind like of really expanding well it. Thought and, out. Yeah. yeah. And they really, mo- they really modernized the brand. Even you look at like their social media and stuff, it's they're trying to capture more of like an audience, which is really cool. So I'm, I like I'm what they're doing. I like where they're heading. I'm proud to have worked with Wrangler for quite a few years now. I think we're getting into year nine or 10 now with the Wrangler brand. So proud to wear Wrangler. Everything, everything I own pretty much is Wrangler, except for some stuff Storm's got me into now, trying to get some new, you know, expand my wardrobe a little bit. So it's not just strictly Canadian tuxedos. It's not just only denim, but it's, it is nice to branch off because denim, like Canadian tuxedos are deadly, but they're also, they don't fit every scenario. It's true. It's true. <laughs> Unfortunately, right? <laughs> Fortunately, as much as we'd like that to happen, you can't wear one on the golf course. No, you could. Well, different during Ted does wear can. his Wranglers on the golf course every now and then. The slim straight yeah, the, the khakis and the, the black khakis. ones I've worn. Those ones I've, I've even got a couple birdies in those khakis. Just Damn. saying, but like those things are legit. Even Chris and Curtis, they were like, "Really, man? You come out here playing your khakis and you're still birdie in holes? You got to be the f- Chris at the golf course, like." I think it was like 19, 18 or, or it must have been 2019. It's like, you're probably the first guy I've ever seen birdie a golf hole in, in freaking Wranglers, man. Ridiculous. <laughs> I thought it was good. That's not, a, that's not a bad deal at all. <laughs> Storm, tell us about some of the lady stuff here. Yeah. So I got this sweet shirt, which is my favorite sweater, rather. Yeah. Which your is Instagram post today was hot. Oh, thanks, Wace. That was good. It's my favorite people. piece. I wear it. I wear it a lot. I probably wear it too much, truthfully. But it's got <laughs> she might wear little, it like, out drawstring so you can kind of wear it as like a it's multifunctional really nice modeling oh, right there damn oh yeah for those that are curious that aren't watching the video version of the podcast storm's wearing a nice orange 
Wrangler hoodie, big Wrangler in white across the front. It's a nice, um, what would you call it? Like a jewel tone or like an Easter yeah, color? Yeah, it's like a an coral. Easter orange? Coral. Coral. Mixed between pink, orange, and... Pink and orange. Pink and orange? He's a big, yeah. he's a big color guy. Big color guy. He knows his colors. Might be, might be a little colorblind. Myself, though, I've got this rang- white Wrangler t-shirt. Wrangler 1947, riding out the storm. That's what it says. Nice. And the denim, I mean, they're blue and they're jeans. Yeah, jeans. I really they're like jeans. the denim shorts. I'm not a shorts person. Yeah, like, Storm, I do not st- wear shorts. Probably Storm's I wish they had jorts for dudes. That's true, but I don't wear I don't wear jorts. And what? I got a pair of jorts. I bought a size up, and Washed so they're like down. a little bit. I, kinda, and you kind of like and you kind of like them. I really like them. They're really comfortable. <laughs> I've worn. Maybe, them it'd be a hot a hot fit. Would be your drawstring hoodie and some jorts. Well, it's actually, kind of like that's what of... I just posted online today. Check it out, folks. Check it out. So. Make sure uh, check out Mark's Work Warehouse, Mark's Canada, yeah. at Mark's Canada on the Instagram, at Wrangler on Instagram. Uh, of course, our friends at the Wrangler Network always check out their highlights, live rodeo, always live and free. But a couple of hoodies here, two in the ladies section, a nice uh, black. It's nice that the Wrangler, logo. like for a lady standpoint, they actually have made like ladies, other like like non-Western yeah. style ladies jeans. Yeah, not saying, I got not saying that's bad, but well. yeah, I think and they're that, really nice. Are, yeah, really nice wash. They look. Like modern and classic. Well, they're nicely fitting. They're nicely fitting. They look nice. I'm not even a big jeans person, truthfully. And I really like both my yeah. shorts and my jeans. So when Storm and I got together, Jorts and jeans. part of the deal was that I had to get a pair of non-jeans and she had to get a pair of jeans. That was our trade-off. She didn't even own a pair of jeans, so I had to get her some jeans. And then I didn't own anything that wasn't jeans. You're the kind of guy who lounges in jeans, which is the weirdest thing <laughs> in the whole world. I That drives me up the wall. Yeah. It's weird. Yeah. Whatever, man. Uh, a couple different styles, of ladies' jeans. Though you got the skinny jeans, you got the boot, the boot cut for the ladies, and then you I got haven't ventured down that road yet. Four Maybe different tees, another denim jacket as well. Uh, two different, three different styles of uh, four different styles of ladies' uh, jean shorts. So, tons of cool Wrangler stuff. Check it out at Marks. Thanks to Marks for being partners of yeah. us for this show in August. Appreciate it. And the ladies at, at Marks who helped us oh, on a side note were fantastic they're yeah, so nice great folks and 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 for those that uh obviously for those that don't uh find what they need at marks if, if you don't find it make sure to check out your lo- local western retailers of course tons of partners we already work with all the way across canada um cowboy shit proud partner and uh you know what i mean canada west boots as well get your work boots get your work boots to go through your work boots jeans. go through go through angler jeans anywhere uh where you can you can you can marks, shop yeah, online exactly so Check it all out. Thanks again to Marks for being a partner of us this month. And uh, we'll be back with our interview. Episode 98 with Cody Robbins right after this. Hailing from central Saskatchewan, our next guest has hunted big game in over 15 countries around the world and has won numerous awards, including the Golden Moose Award for Best Camera Work and the Outdoor Riders Canada Writers of Canada Award for Best Television Show. When he's not hunting, he spends his time taking care of his ranch along with his wife, Kelsey. Welcome to the Cowboy Shade Podcast. Cody Robbins, what's happening, dude? Thanks for having me, guys. <laughs> I am, uh, I'm just chilling, living through a nasty drought here in Saskatchewan. 
And I think a drought actually in Alberta and all over, you know, the Western part of the U S too, as well. So there's no reason for me to complain about it, but uh, I'm just chilling in my basement right now, enjoying life and excited to talk to you guys. Nice. Yeah. We finally got some rain here today. So I think that'll help get rid of some of the smoke. At least have you guys been getting that badly out there? We have Northwest wind today and I was out cleaning the garage and getting things organized for fall. And we were getting pounded with smoke. Kelsey actually bailed on me halfway through cleaning the garage saying he couldn't handle the smoke. And it's weird because I was breathing in the same smoke, but I finished cleaning the garage by myself. <laughs> That's just a cheap excuse nowadays. I know. Um, so you guys, you guys are originally from the Harris area, right? That's where you grew up? Yes, sir. Oh, yeah. And then now you guys are in Delisle? Yep. Delisle is just a town about 20 minutes away from Harris, and I live right in the middle. So when I was okay. a kid, I went to school in Harris, and now we get our mail in Delisle. But it's we're halfway in between the two. Nice. Okay. So now you don't really come from much, like for people don't really know what your background is. you you do a lot of guy, you got hunts, you've done some work with Jim Shockey. You have your own show now called live to hunt. Like you, so you don't really come from a hunting family. How did you get your start? Well, yeah, no one in my family hunted. I came from a ranching background. My dad was a PFRA pasture rider, cowboys in his entire life. Uh, my mother did leather work and built harness and we just grew up with cattle, horses, dogs, cats, chickens, but hunting was never really a part of my family. But my best friend that I went to school with, his name was Shane Hunter. He was a hardcore hunter. Another friend of mine, Dusty Walker, he's actually a bulldogger. Yeah, we know, he we was know another Dusty one really of my well. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, there you go. Well, both families, Shane and Dusty, both came from hunting and trapping families. And I was hanging out with them all the time. And it just just turned out that they introduced me to the sport of hunting. I fell madly in love with it and just ran with it. I had no idea what it would turn into. Um, it, it just kind of kept snowballing. It's still snowballing. I'm 40 years old now and it's still, still growing and growing. It's, it's been a fun ride. Well, talk about when you got started too, with your, uh, with the, with the laws in Saskatchewan and the, and the company you got to keep when you, when you got started, that was a fun story. Well, um, when I was 12 years old, I was at 11 years old. Um, my parents moved out to Waterton National Park in Southern Alberta and they bought a candy store. Now out at the candy store for me to be out there, it, it was a seasonal store and a seasonal park. So I would have been out there from April until June and then I guess all summer and then till about mid October. So the plan was I was going to go to school um, for about four months each year, two months at the start of the year and two months at the end of the year for the school season, I'd go to school in Pincher Creek, Alberta. And then I would go back home when my parents came home in the winter to our ranch in Saskatchewan. And I would continue my school season there. Funny little story before I get to how I started uh, my hunting. When I was 11 years old, I got on the school bus to go to the Pincher Creek junior high school or whatever. Maybe I was still in elementary. I don't know what it was. Grade seven. I get on the school bus and I'm cruising down the road or we're all cruising down the road. And we stop at the Shottery Ranch in Southern Alberta and Dustin Flunder gets on. You guys know Dustin Flunder? <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 So old Duster, he comes walking down the aisle and sits down beside me. I didn't notice Dustin as much as I noticed his cute little sister, Nina. But Dustin and I, we hit it off. We got to be best buddies. And he's still one of my best friends to this day. Now, I'm sorry I got sidetracked, but... Um, I went to Pincher Creek school, I think for two days and I just couldn't hack it. I, I missed my buddies at home 
and I actually moved back kind of against my parents' will. I, I guess they let me because I was 12 years old. They had to let me. But I moved back and my grandmother, who was 75 years old at the time, she lived with me. And when she was living with me, she would watch me out the kitchen window, shooting my bow, sitting on the tailgate of my brother's truck, shooting arrows into a straw bale and just dreaming of the chance to be a bow hunter and to go hunting. And she'd come out and sit on the tailgate with me after supper. And she'd ask me, you know, like, you want to go shoot a buck? What do you have to do to shoot a buck? The biggest problem with me not going to shoot a buck or go bow hunting on my own was the fact that I didn't have a guardian and you needed someone when you were under 16 years of age in Saskatchewan, you need someone that's 18 or older to be your parent or guardian while you're with you, while you're hunting. And my grandmother actually totally threw herself into the mix, into the fire. She wasn't a hunter herself, but she offered to take me hunting or just come with me while I hunted and be my guardian and make it legal. So she came with me and she was my hunting partner for the next few years of my life. And she gave me that chance to become a bow hunter and, She's uh, she passed away a year ago at 101 years of age, just a few days after her 101st birthday. Wow! But it was because of her kindness and generosity it gave me the chance to become a bow hunter. That's nice to spend some quality time too. Like as a lot of kids don't get that opportunity to spend that type of time with their grandparents, especially being doing something what you love to do. For sure. Yeah. How did you? How did you not get caught up in the in the rodeo world, hanging out with like Dustin Flundra and Dusty Walker? Did you ever did you ever dabble in that a little bit? <laughs> <laughs> I, well, you see, I kind of feel like it maybe came down just to talent. <laughs> maybe that's what helped me back. Right? Yeah. So, so Dustin and I, we got to be great friends really quick. I'd spend my summers out there. I worked on the shotterie with him and his dad. I fenced for them. I rode pasture with them. Dustin and I traveled around road steers together until we were 15 or 16. And then I think if I remember correctly, we both wanted to be bull riders and our mothers, <laughs> Kathy and Carol, they got brainstorming on the phone and they actually thought if they paid for bronc riding schools for us, that might keep us out of riding bulls. So we went to a Dwayne Pillman bronc riding school. I think it was in Vermilion. And, uh, and we went to the bronc riding school, got on our very first bronx. I helped Dustin on his. He helped me on mine. Our very first bronx, Dustin's, I think Dustin got on his first. And I helped him on. And his horse, he was flanked. His horse just ran right to the end of the arena and tried to jump in the heading box at the end of the <laughs> arena. And Dustin piled up in a big dust, big pile of heap, big, big pile of dust. And the panel was upside down on top of his horse. But somehow Duster came out of it without any band-aids or anything. But that was like really exciting for me. I'm like, holy crap, this bronc riding looks fun. And I, I got on my first bucking horse and I made it about three or four jumps and he lawn darted me out the front and I landed right on my face <laughs> and my, where my bald spot is now touched between <laughs> my shoulder blades. And I rolled over and I cracked my C6. Ooh, damn. Now, yeah, it was, it was nasty. I never, I never got a, um, an x-ray at the time and everyone went to the paramedics. I just went behind the chutes. The world was spinning. I got nauseous. I definitely had a concussion. I got on six more bucking horses that weekend and didn't quit. But my bronc riding career was very short-lived. I, I rode bucking horses for on and off for a year and a half. I'd meet up with Dustin in Alberta, get on a couple of broncs, went to a couple of little britches rodeos, high river, young pine. Um, but just never made a career out of it. I got a couple of concussions early and right about that time was when, my hunting was really starting to ramp up and 
not really turning into a career yet, but I was really, really getting serious about my hunting. And I followed the hunting instead of the rodeo. I kept team roping, uh, team rope CCA for a couple of years and just in some little bush leagues for a while. But I was always envious of my buddy Dustin and his rodeo career. We've stayed best friends. You know, I, I love the guy. And for the chance to watch him, you know, be Canadian champ, make it to the NFR, win the Calgary Stampede, those, I guess you could say I've lived my rodeo life vicariously through him. He's one of my best pals, and I'm very proud of what he's accomplished. And I'm excited about my hunting career, <laughs> but I always wonder and wish, you know, that I, I would have tried a little harder or gone a little deeper into the rodeo. But the moral of that story is. is you should have rode bulls instead, obviously. <laughs> yeah, our mothers. Our mothers yeah. took us down the wrong path. That's yeah, exactly. <laughs> when did you find out your neck was broken? So, um, yeah, I got, I piled up right on my face and rolled over. Full scorpion maneuver. And, yeah, and my world was spinning. I still have a really cool picture of that. It'd be at my parents' house. I'd have to try and find it. But for a year or two after that, I, Young Pine Rodeo, about a year later, my neck always hurt really bad. And I could, like, I'd always crack my neck and, like, twist my neck and crack it. But there was, there was weird things going on in there. And I, and I had, like, a brutally sore neck for about a year. Like, I couldn't sleep a certain way. And then never went and got an x-rayed. And then at Young Pine Rodeo, another little britches rodeo, I remember Dustin and I were getting on our horses. And there's about four Bronx in the chute. And every one of them is just losing their minds, throwing themselves and falling down and kicking. And I have this fat old done horse and he's just sitting there half asleep and shoot. And my dad's <laughs> like, oh, you got this. Like, you got all these other kids are going to be psyched right out. It's going to be hard for them to get out of the chute. Just go out, stay on this horse, get him covered and you'll have a pretty good chance. And I remember feeling so confident and I get on this <laughs> horse and I remember just getting comfy and leaning back and lifting on my rein and nodding. And then just this black hole just closed in on me. That horse reared over backwards right when I nodded and the gate no. came up. He kind of squatted oh, and came man. over backwards and the swells hit me in the chest. And then his mane just hit me right between the eyes. And I remember I came out and I remember just this black hole just closing in and I piled up in another heap. And I, Jesus. it was after that horse that I went and I got x-rayed and they found the, in the x-ray, they found a crack in my C6, but it, they said it wasn't, fresh so Damn. i think it was from that very first wow. verse holy shit so good thing in the yeah, so hunting I have to... <laughs> you have you've dabbled yeah. you've dabbled like us all yeah i can say <laughs> i can say i was a bronc rider i can't say that i really did much but you can say you, you had an influence on a, one of the greatest that we've had in a long time in dustin darn rights yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. and he's still uh, doing it i did he just was like 89 at uh pollock the other night when i was down there Still got that guy. He still got it. Yeah. So I, I go to my I go to my cameraman editor's house, and we're editing an elk hunting show that we did with Dustin on the Shottery from last year with Rod Sinclair and Dustin. And my cameraman's like, "Did you see Dustin?" He's like, "And my cameraman's not a rodeo guy, so he doesn't really know what he's talking about." But he's like, "So Nikki posted a video of Dustin. He hasn't he hasn't been on a bronc in two years apparently, but he got on a horse there, and I think he did pretty good." I'm like, "Well, show it to me." And he shows me that he shows me that video and he's 89 <laughs> points and just hose it out of the young guys. <laughs> that guy, he's a rock star. I remember he had like big, huge muscles a couple of years ago. Like we'd hang out and I like didn't really want to wrestle with him. And then 
I think the last year I was there, he always wore like bunny hugs and stuff. And he's like covering up what he had going on. And I feel like maybe his muscles have shriveled up and he's maybe lost his touch. And then I see that video and that's totally not accurate. He's still got it. Yeah, he's still, he's still, he's still giving it. So kind of right around your rodeo career was when you were starting to video your hunts. So like how did you get that, the kind of the itch to start doing that? And what kind of equipment were you packing around when you started? Uh, I was about 16 or seven. I was about 17, I guess. And I, I just had a crazy passion for hunting, but more specifically, I had a huge passion for wanting to video my hunts and bring that footage home to share with my friends. I love coming home and telling people my hunting stories. And I just felt like a video camera would be the best way to do that. Instead of just telling them my BS stories, like a fishing story, (laughs) I could prove to them what really happened. And I started saving up. I worked at the local stockyard and I worked at a pea plant um, from four till midnight. I had two jobs and I worked them both for about eight months until about a month before hunting season started. And I saved up all my money. And then I went to a guy named Bentley Coben's house. This guy, he's a pioneer in hunting videos, especially in Canada. And he was one of my heroes and I took all my money to him. I told him what I wanted to do. And he actually ordered me the the best professional camera that I could afford with the money that I had that I could start filming with. And that camera came a couple of weeks later. I quit both of those jobs and I had a plan to film that entire fall, September archery, October muzzleloader and November rifle and do my very best to capture enough footage to create hunting videos that I could sell in magazines like big buck magazine, Eastman's buy one page ads and sell those videos. It was, it was pretty far fetched. I probably never would have accomplished that dream. I don't think, but that was my plan anyway. So I bought that camera and I set out that fall and I started filming as hard as I could, you know, every morning getting up at four and hunting till dark every night, trying to capture enough to make that happen. So then would you, would you just go on your own then and pack the camera and set it up and then get some stuff or how, what was your like typical day shooting like on your own? I couldn't afford to have a cameraman. So (laughs) I did all the filming myself. I would carry that camera around and I would just be like this invisible character. I wouldn't talk. I wouldn't barely even put myself in front of the camera. I would just video my friends and it was awkward as hell because my friends, they wouldn't talk. You turn the camera on, they all get camera shy. They wouldn't say a word. And then there's just this voice coming from behind the camera all the time. It was, it probably wasn't really ever going to go anywhere, but that fall about early October, I just got this rare opportunity to meet Jim Shockey and things just fell into place. And like anything, like no matter what path you choose, it a, a lot comes down to talent, but a lot comes down to doors opening for you and opportunities, you know, that you're given and then, and then what you make of them. And I, I met Jim Shockey in October and he offered me a job. He came to hunt whitetails, not far from our family ranch or half an hour away. And he heard through the grapevine, how passionate I was about wanting to make videos. And at the same time, he wanted to start his hunting TV show. He was um, about a year and a half away or a year and a half after that, he started Jim Shockey's hunting adventures, but he found me. He talked to me. He wanted to see some of my footage. I showed it to him. And at the end of showing him some footage, he offered me a job for 30 days hunting with him for whitetails here in Saskatchewan that fall. And it was a dream come true for me. I had a poster of him in my room from, um, so Realtree, uh, Realtree Monster Bucks 
was one of the only like two or three hunting shows that were on TV at the time. And he, Jim Shockey had the home video segment on that Realtree Monster Bucks series. And I had a poster of him on my wall. I had like the four DVDs he produced. I had bought them out of magazines and he was like Wayne Gretzky to me. And um, I got the chance to hunt with him. It was totally surreal, but it was a huge opportunity. And that's what really got my career started. What was the feeling going into the first day of shooting with Jim? Like that'd be again, like playing hockey with Wayne Gretzky. It was, it was surreal. It was <laughs> crazy. I, I, I remember, I remember getting on a steer at the Pincher Creek pro rodeo when I was 12 years old. And I remember Glenn O'Neill offering to pull my rope. And that was, that was absolutely freaking huge for me. And like, I could give a shit about that steer and my ride. All I wanted to do was sit there and keep telling Glenn to keep pulling tighter and tighter and like <laughs> yeah. hang out for that 10 seconds with Glenn. It was, and that, that first day hunting with Jim was the same kind of feeling. Like you're just, it doesn't even seem real. Like you're, you know, you're walking with the guy in the dark out to a hunting blind. You're stepping in his footsteps in the snow. He's shooting the breeze with you. He's helping you set the camera up and you're, you know, you're for years before that, all you did was like watch him on TV and it just, it's hard to absorb at the time. But I will tell you, by day two, he was nothing like my hero anymore. He was more like a grumpy old school teacher that was an absolute <laughs> pain in the ass. But, but yeah, I had, I had lots of fun with Jim. I worked with him for seven years. Yeah. So that kind of, that first initial shoot kind of led into a lot of, like you said, working with him for seven years and doing a lot of shows. So what was that like? You got to work with him for that long and he kind of eventually led to you spreading off into the live to hunt thing as well. Right. It did. It, I hunted with Jim for seven years. We hunted in 15 different countries. That was when he started his show and when he was really starting to work on his vision and his goal to win the Weatherby award. And the Weatherby award is like the, it's really like the MVP award, like the, not the Stanley cup, but the, I can't remember what the, the vet, not, is it the Vesna? And then that's the, the goalie award. Yeah. The Vesna's for tenders. Yeah. What, what's, yeah. uh, the, what's the MVP award in the NHL? Oh, it's the Art Ross, isn't it? Art Ross? It's okay, the heart, so it's the heart. heart trophy. Heart trophy. So in hunting, there's the Weatherby Award. And Jim, I don't think he ever admitted that he wanted to win the Weatherby Award, but he would talk about it and you could tell how driven he was and how focused he was and all of the animals that we were starting to hunt and all the traveling we were starting to do. He was He had a vision, I think, to win that award. And he was bringing his vision to life and we traveled all over the place and we hunted in crazy places. We ate crazy food. We were on the road for over 200 days a year. It was a crazy seven years of my life. I'm, and I'm very grateful for the opportunities that he gave me and it, you know, all the experiences that I got to take in. It, it was a pretty cool ride. What are some of the coolest places you got to hunt in or what, what is one of your favorites, I guess? So in 2003, 2004 2005 we went to iran and we were 50 miles from the iraq border and that was when things were crazy in iraq the desert storm and stuff and right? i remember yeah and i remember getting ready to go over there i was i was nervous i'm a small town saskatchewan kid you know going to a rodeo is a big deal to me or i'm not a guy that travels to iran with a big video camera or at the time i didn't think i was i was a deer hunter rodeo kid all that kind of stuff 
I was really psyched out to go to Iran. And of course, all my small town buddies are like, holy crap, man, you're going to get blown up. Like, that's, <laughs> that's a crazy place to go. So I, I, I get this idea from, I can't remember who, but a couple people told me that I should take Canadian flags and put them on my backpack, my camera gear. Because at the time, there was no Americans allowed in Iran. And there was, a, there was something to do with a bunch of journalists uh, oh yeah. So I put all these Canadian flags on all my gear and about six days before we leave to go to Iran, before we take off three American journalists get caught in Iraq. I think Iraq, they get caught with Canadian flags on their stuff, but they were American and they actually beheaded them on the internet. You know, and they like found all these secrets <laughs> oh. out the way they were sneaking around to get all this crazy stuff and they had Canadian flags and their stuff. So I go back downstairs and I rip all the Canadian flags off my gear because now that's not going to work anymore. And I, I called Jim up and I'm like, Jim, like this, this is crazy. Like, do we really have to go to Iran to hunt two different kinds of sheep when things are so unsettled and crazy over there? And Jim, he's like, Cody, you can't believe everything that you watch on the news. They blow things way out of proportion. We're going to be fine. It's going to be fun man up grow a set and let's go so we go over we go over to iran and i remember it's like so we'd fly to uh flew to vancouver frankfurt germany then down we were on airplanes for like 36 hours and by the time we get to iran we flew into the capital city of iran which was tehran we flew to russia then tehran and we're landing in iran and Jim's like, he's stone cold. Nothing phases him. He's focused. And we're landing right at our last destination. And he's like sweating. And I'm like, what's going on? He's like, I don't know. I just, I got a bad feeling about this. I don't know if we should have done this. And we're like, oh, no. 10 minutes to like, <laughs> you get your together, Jim. This was your idea. If we get killed. But, oh, fuck, you know, we were funny. there. We were hunting for like two weeks in Iran. And it was crazy, but you know, it's crazy how afraid I was and how the media gets everything so stirred up and so hyped up the Iranian folks that we spent time with and the gentlemen that we hunted with were awesome guys. And I, it's one of my most memorable trips and we struck out on one of the, uh, one of the sheep and we got, we, we struck out on Transcaspian Uriel, Uriel, and we killed a gorgeous red sheep. So it wasn't a total success, but we had a hell of a good time. And I, I remember, you know, every country that you hunt in, there's different styles of hunting. There's, there's countries that you go and they're considered gentlemen's hunts where they don't want you to hunt hard. They don't want you to sweat. They don't want you to rough it out in the mountains. They want to treat you like you're a king and they want to escort you around on the mountain. Like you're, it's just a total different experience. But I remember the experience that I had in Iran and the people there, and the way they hunted was one of my favorites. It was, it was a really cool place. And uh, I really enjoyed it. What's the craziest one coming out, coming out of Iran? There's got to be another wild story where you were somewhere that that's got to be kind of like that. That's, that's a wild one, but yeah, you got to have a few. So, so we'll get away from the hunting, but I'll tell you my very first experience in Iran. We, we get picked up at about five in the clock, five o'clock in the morning from our hotel in Tehran, which is the capital city of Iran. And our translator picks us up and he's going to take us to the outfitting area. 
So we're driving through Tehran. The first thing I realized was when you get to a red light in Tehran or most of Asia, <laughs> you don't stop there. No, it's completely nuts. Yeah. You, you get to a, <laughs> you get to a red light and you stop, but you don't stop. When, when the light yeah. turns red, the traffic keeps flowing until somebody that has a, finally has a green light going the other way has enough balls to cut the red light guys off and get that flow started. It, it, it would flow for 30 extra seconds until somebody has the nuts to cut those guys off. <laughs> it's completely crazy. So while I'm absorbing this, the traffic in Tehran, I'm listening to the translator and Jim get to know each other and make a plan for our trip. And the, the, trans- the translator is like, Jim, uh, you know, what, what could we treat you? Um, what, what kind of breakfast would you like to have? Can we take you to a nice westernized restaurant where you could have a nice breakfast the same as at home? And Jim's like, no, hell no. I don't, I don't want something that I could have at home. I want something that's considered to be like a specialty or a treat here in Iran, something that the Iranians love to have. He's like, oh, I know just the place. I'll take you for Calapache. And I'm like, I'm this kid that eats grilled cheese sandwiches. There can't be tomatoes on it. There can't be onions or anything. Was this your first you know, time I'm, like doing this too? Like first kind of bigger trip or or had you done a few I, before? I started working for Jim in 2002. And I think the Iran trip was 2005. So but I was still own. like, I was still a, I was still a Saskatchewan farm kid that hadn't gotten out much. <laughs> yeah. So I wasn't very well-rounded yet. And Jim, it really made, it really frustrated Jim because he was trying to create this very well-rounded, good traveling, you know, like cool dude of a sidekick. And I was like this farm kid with my like little browning cap on and my Wrangler jeans and my roper. Like I wasn't the guy that belonged in Iran. But anyway, they're talking about this Calapache and I'm sitting in the back seat thinking, what the hell is Calapache going to be? <laughs> We park on this side street. We walk into this restaurant and we walk in a little single door and it's the restaurant is about the size of the average living room at somebody's house. Like it's like 500 square feet and there's five tables and there's just a, a counter. And there's a whole bunch of steam coming up out of this huge pot at this counter. And we go walking up there. There's nobody, there's nobody in this little restaurant. It's just us. And we walk in with the translator and three, the three hunters, the, the guys that I freaking love, they were, they were awesome, but I didn't know them yet. I had just met them. They didn't speak any English. We walk in, the translator walks up and orders for us. And the guy takes the order, takes the money, and then he's going to get our food for us. He takes this huge lid off this pot and he pulls it up and he takes these great big tongs, huge tongs and reaches in and pulls out sheep heads, sheep skulls. Now, are you guys hunters? Do you guys hunt at all? No. I, I grew up around hunt. I don't hunt anymore, but I grew up around a little bit. Yeah. I never have. Okay. I never have. Okay. So have either one of you guys ever been around someone boiling a cow, like a bull skull yeah, or a buffalo skull or a deer skull? Yeah. I've done that a few times. Okay. Okay. So what's it smell like when you're boiling one of those skulls? It's absolutely rancid. It's not good. It's, it's rancid. <laughs> yeah, it's not. It's disgusting. <laughs> okay, so now I'm going to tell you guys what Calapache is. The Iranians, they skin out a sheep's head. They skin its, skin its hide off, take the skull exactly like we would if we're cleaning a buffalo skull or a cow skull or a deer skull. They throw it in a pot of water. They boil it overnight. They pull it out of the water with a set of tongs, and they set it on a, a platter. And then they take 
like a butter knife and they scrape all of the membrane off the skull, just like your European mounting a skull. It's the oh. exact same thing. It's no different. There's not one different part <laughs> of the process other than when you do it here in Canada, when you're cleaning off a skull to European mount to put on your wall, you wear a mask because you're going to puke and you clean it off and you throw all of that membrane and the eyeballs and the roof of the mouth and the tongue and the brain that drips out the back of the skull, you throw it all away, right? The Iranians, that's a delicacy. Wow. So they, they put this sheep skulls on this platter, two skulls. They take these knives and they scrape all the membrane off. They pop all the brains out. They pop the eyes out. And now there's this platter with all of this, what we would consider to be waste. And that's your breakfast. Not pancakes, not French toast, oh not like sunny side up eggs. You got this membrane off the skull and we sit down at this table and then they come and serve you with a little bowl of the water that it was boiled in. And that's your soup. You get Hot a piece of bread. Oh. A bowl, yeah, exactly. A bowl <laughs> of the water and then a platter with all this stuff on it. And the, the Iranian guys who are our guides, they serve me up. Jim goes and sits with the translator over at another table. And I'm with the Iranians who don't speak English. And they're like, they're very proud of this meal. And they're, they're really excited for me to have the chance to have it. So you don't want to, you know, you don't want to step on their toes. So yeah. you want to be polite. So I'm like, you know what? I can do anything. Jim taught me. That's one thing he taught me so many times and just drilled into my head. You can do anything if you put your mind to it. And that's, that, that includes trying to eat something that you don't want to eat. Or if you're homesick and you're stuck in a country for 25 more days, it's just a mental thing. And you can do it. If you really want to do it, you can do it. And I'm like, I can do this. I can, I have a little saucer. I have 20 bites of this membrane and eyeballs and stuff. And I can do it. And I'm not going to offend these guys, but I'm going to make it happen. So I'm sitting there and I got a piece of bread and I'm like, like worshiping every bite of bread that I get to take. That's not the membrane. And I'm eating this stuff and I get right near the end. And I'm like, I have like one bite in my mouth, my second last bite in my mouth, one bite left on my plate. And I'm like, like, you know, when you're chewing and you can't swallow and you're like sweating and throw up, you're chewing really fast. You're trying to like get through it and you're trying to find a way to find the courage to swallow because you're afraid you're going to puke. I'm on my second last bite and I'm doing that. I'm like, come on, come on. I'm chewing as fast as I can. I'm chewing. I'm like, okay. I just swallow. If I can get this bite down, I have one more bite. One of the Iranians, he looks at me and he sees that I have like one little forkful left on my plate oh, and there's no. a little bit left on the big platter. He's like, oh, oh, no. oh, and he, it, <laughs> he loads me right up again. Gives me another whole plate full of calipache. Oh, no. I, it, I finished both platefuls. And when we walked out of that restaurant, I was, I was at Jim's heels, like a chihuahua. I'm like, listen, you freak. We are <laughs> never eating calipache again. We're never coming back to this restaurant. Why can't we eat hot dogs? Like what the hell is your problem? Why can't we eat normal stuff? And he just laughed his head off all the way to the car. And that's, that's a story that him and I love to bring up, you know, lots, you know, the did next seven it? years. We're, we're... Did he do it? Oh yeah. He pounded it. Shocky. Shocky would eat anything. The, oh, there's one thing that I saw Jim push away in all of our trips. And he was like that everywhere that we went, he wanted to try something that was a delicacy or something special to the local people or local tribes or local culture. And the only thing I ever saw him push away, we're in Cameroon, Africa one time, and we shoot uh, a rock python, a 15, a 15 foot rock python holy cow and when they're skinning it 
this egg, there's an egg in it, looked like a dinosaur egg. It was like the size of a margin container or not quite the close, like a, the size of a cream container. And the, the, our guide, he knew that Jim was crazy that way. He loved trying like different things. He's like, Jim, would you like them to cook that egg up? Like make scrambled eggs or something? Or would you like to try that egg? He's like, Oh yeah, absolutely. So we're, we're back at camp and we're like in Africa, when you go on safaris, they're, they treat you like an absolute king. You know, they, they build beautiful grass houses. They have cement pads. They, they never use the same location twice for a safari. So they'll bring, they'll build you a fancy grass lodge with cement floors. And the next hunter that comes, they'll have a whole brand new spot built for them and they'll tear yours down. That's, that's how good they treat you. There. Oh, wow. But, but anyways, Jim got that, those eggs out of that rock python and they were like scrambled or whatever. And he put ketchup on them or Frank's hot sauce or whatever. And he had one bite and he almost threw them back up and he pushed it away and he didn't finish it. And that's honestly the only time I've ever seen Shocky not finish something that he was trying. That was something new to him. He's Did he say why? Pretty tough that way. He said it was just absolutely disgusting. He, like, <laughs> oh, <really? laughs> he, he literally like turned green right on the spot and he almost let her fly, but he didn't. Did you guys oh. eat the snake too? Uh, I don't remember eating that snake, but I remember eating different snakes. When we were in Africa, we tried different kinds of snake. Um, we ate everything, like everything that we hunted, we tried. And it, there was some crazy stuff along <laughs> the way. The, what for was sure. the, okay, I got two questions. What was the worst one that you tried, or the craziest, or the most? So I guess three. The crazy, like the worst one you tried, then the best one that you might not have expected. And then I got to ask afterwards, how the heck did you guys end up in Iran? in the first place to do, to do a hunt? Like where, where did the contacts come through to, to, to line up a, a hunt to Iran? So I got, I got a couple there. I start where you'd like. I'll, I'll work my way back. Uh, how the hunt in Iran came about for Jim to win the Weatherby award. Um, even if that wasn't his goal, but Jim wanted to hunt every species, every big game animal that was huntable in the world he he loves hunting he loves exploring he loves culture and he he put his head down and researched everything he possibly could in every opportunity he possibly could to find hunting outfitters um to find different cultural experiences while we were there he has a museum now so and he had this premeditated vision as well as hunting to to get artifacts and to get different things that that came from different cultures and collect them and put them all together at the end of his journeys. And he, that's what he did for, for 15 years, he traveled the world and he would find if there was someone that outfitted hunters in Iran, he would find them and he would get it organized. If there was someone in South America that outfitted for gophers, he would find them. Like he, he researched all of that stuff and he took us on adventures that were absolutely crazy. Um, as far as food goes, I remember oxtail soup uh, in Tanzania and that was, that was delicious. They take the, so when you shoot a Cape Buffalo, they take the Buffalo tail, they skin it and then they, they boil it for a long time and, and let all the meat fall away from the little vertebrae on the tail. And that was, that was delicious. They, of course they put a whole bunch of other stuff in the soup. That was, that was yummy. That'd be like um, a muscle, wouldn't it? On a tail, wouldn't that be a like it had to be pretty pretty nice meat, really? There would be no fat in it, wouldn't it be? 
it, it, yeah, it was very, very lean. Huh. Cape buffalo, they're very, they're like a longhorn. Yeah, they're there's they're not fatty at all. And um, remind me too, Tanzania is Africa, isn't it? Tanzania is in the central part of Africa. Yeah. Okay. And it's uh, it it really is Tanzania's. You hear about people going on safari. If you go to South Africa, that's like the training wheels of safaris. If you go to Namibia, that's like the AHL. And if you go to Tanzania, that's like, that's the show. That's, that's where you go get dropped off in the middle of nowhere, hundreds of miles from any towns. And it, it would be like our Yukon or Alaska. That's the real deal in Africa. And we had some fun trips there. And that, you know, that oxtail soup, one thing that I learned there, the African people are amazing cooks. They can make things that you would think would be not so good taste amazing. And they made great meals over there. What was the other one, Ted? The worst thing? Yeah, the, the worst, worst, thing? The the worst abs- one. Was it the was it the sheep brains in, in Iran? Or was there, <laughs> there something that top that? That, that, that sounded like that was worse. Okay. Um, what going back to gross things we ate. Um, did we eat puff adder? Puff adder is a snake. We ate I think I think we ate puff adder somewhere. And it was it was like Gosh. eating a rubber band. But uh, there, there was a lot of crazy stuff we tasted, and I tried to avoid it as much as I could, but there was times where. <laughs> I, I remember in Iran, th- this isn't specific food, but I remember in Iran, you weren't allowed to use toilet paper. What? So, and there was a rule in the country that you don't accept anyone's left hand because they, that's what you use your left hand for. You go into washrooms, there's no toilets, there's a hole in the floor, and there's a hose and a faucet at the corner of the room and you're supposed to use your left hand for that kind of stuff. And you're supposed to wash it off with the hose. And then when you shake hands or you're eating food, you never accept or anything from a person's left hand. And that hmm. wasn't that's food the that butt, we were eating, but that's, that's something that I had a really okay. hard time with. Jeez. So do you, would you usually eat left-handed? Is that what you're trying to say? So you were like, no, I, I, oh. it just reminds me of a story. <laughs> So we're staying at this, this government game warden's office. This is where we're camped out hunting in Iran. And we get to this camp and this is where I'm first introduced to this hole in the middle of the floor and a a hydrant at the side on the wall with a little hose. That's about a foot long. And what, like being a Saskatchewan kid, you see that and you're like, what the hell am I going to do in here? What? And there's like, there's a pair of complimentary team sandals. One, one pair of sandals fits all to go in the bathroom. And they're like, I, well, I, don't, I guess it doesn't really matter what freaking size they were. But the thing that I remember from this was there's no toilet paper in that room. And Jim, we're, we're, we're bunking in the same room. He's like, this is nuts. We're not allowed to use toilet paper. He's like, are you going to use toilet paper? I'm like, friggin' rights. I'm, I'm smuggling toilet paper in my socks. I'm like, I'm using toilet paper. He's like, yeah, me too. He's like, I'm, I'm totally using toilet paper. I'm, I, I got, I got my own stash. I'm like, hey, right on. Good that we're both on the same page. We go hunting the first day. We get back to camp, and we come, come back into camp, and there's this Iranian guy standing on the front porch, like greeting us, but he seems kind of stressed out or anxious about something, and he's chattering in Iranian 100 miles an hour to our hunters, our guides, and he's like, and the. Yeah, our guides are like, oh, and they're, they're looking around all confused. And then they get the, they call the translator out of this warden's office that, that we're staying in. He comes out, he gets yapping, and he looks at Jim. He's like, oh, Jim, it seems we have a problem. The, 
the septic system is plugged, somebody must have been using toilet paper. And Jim's like, oh, that was Cody. <laughs> oh, no. I'm like, you are you freaking kidding me, man? I'm like, what? He's like, yeah. He's like, I, I saw Cody take toilet paper in there last night. I, I told him he couldn't, but he did. So now all the Iranians, they all look at me like, because I oh, like I no. plugged the whole septic system and they had to go oh, fix no. it. So now I'm like, I'm like the goat of the whole place. Oh, no. And after that, Shockey's still smuggling toilet paper in his sock about on his hiking boot. He's taking toilet paper wherever he goes. But before I go to the bathroom, the Iranians had to like friggin' search me to make sure I wasn't <laughs> Shockey totally freaking sold me out. Who oh, police? Man. Oh man. Yeah. Have, so like in these countries and stuff, did you ever have any close calls with animals and stuff? You to mention like eating puff adders and whatever, like those are highly venomous snakes and you know, or people or people or anything. Yeah any, yeah. any close calls that way. Did it get scary in Iran too, or was somewhere else scarier? Uh, to further to waste so so there's two there's two times that uh things weren't so awesome human wise um we're traveling down the silk road uh in asia one time and we're stopping on the silk road it's a major highway that links that that it's like the trans canada highway but it's the trans canada highway of asia and every so many miles I i can't remember maybe every 50 miles every 100 miles there's these great big, not castles, but like forts, like huge walls. And like, they're, they're ancient from, you know, centuries, centuries ago, excuse me. But we stopped there to eat one time while we're traveling through Asia and we, we pull over and it was right on the border of Afghanistan. And we pull in to go and eat in this restaurant and we walk in and the, the translator there sent us in by ourselves, just Jim and I. And he was going to get groceries and food and stuff. And we walk in and we sit down at this table for two. And right across from us was eight. I don't know if, if they were Afghani military or um, Iranian military or which military they were, but they weren't, they weren't U.S. military. And they're sitting at this table and they all have their machine guns leaning up against the table around them between their chairs. And I, I remember as we're ordering our food and we get our food, we're eating and we're talking. I got my big video camera sitting beside me. I took my video camera everywhere I went in case we could capture something cool. We're, we're eating and Jim looks at me and he kind of just kind of glances with his eyes over towards his table. And I look and all these military guys are not eating. They're just sitting there dead silent, all staring at us. And like they sat there and stared at us and watched us eat for the next 15 minutes until we left. And it was, it was a shitty feeling like it, it, nothing ever came of it, but like, you know, there's a language barrier. You can't talk to them. You don't know what they're thinking. It, it was just a weird time. Then there was one other time we were hunting in Tajikistan on the Afghanistan, right on the Afghanistan border. But to get to where we were going hunting, we were traveling in a, in a river along a river system, a highway that traveled through the mountains along a river system. And that river system was the border between Afghanistan and Tajikistan and I we stopped we're, we're riding in a jeep and I remember Jim and I were in the back seat of the jeep there was no windows in the back seat and across our feet was four jerry cans of gas and the jerry cans of gas they didn't have proper lids on them they had lost the seals and they had the lids screwed on really tight with like grocery bags to try and seal them 
but one or two of the jerry cans were seeping a little bit of gas and we're like we're in this jeep for like 20 some hours following this road trying to get to where we're going hunting wow and we're like high on fumes <laughs> so every time we'd pull over and stop we'd jump out and i i jumped out the one time and i walked down the canyon towards the river to get some cool river shots and one of the I, I got probably 150 yards from the truck and one of the uh one of the guys one of the translators started yelling at me to get away because i was the afghanistan border and you never have a clue what could be going on there and who could be in the mountains and what could happen if people think you're going to cross the border and that was probably only two times that you know like i wasn't threatened by any humans but it was just times where you definitely appreciate canada and where you come from and you know the way we have it at home for sure we better go back to Wacy's question though now on the animal side of things yeah you ever have any sketchy encounters on that front um tanzania everything tries to kill you there's snakes trying to kill you nothing kills more people than mosquitoes i got malaria one time you got was, malaria um i got malaria i was oh. in intensive care for seven days in saskatoon i got told that i had a um, what was it? A, a 27, 27% chance I was going to die and a 73% chance I was going to live by an infectious dis- disease specialist. I got that. I got, uh, malaria in Cameroon. We were charged in Tanzania. We were charged by hippos. We were charged by elephants five times. We we're charged by a Cape Buffalo. Um, crazy snakes over there one time the first time we ever snuck up on elephants and like i'd seen elephants in zoos i had seen videos of elephants i thought they're very docile you know bad eyesight or just didn't care about humans they were very like i thought maybe they were just really arrogant because they're so big we go and we sneak up on six elephants or six cow elephants and calves and we're trying to see if there's a big bull with them we sneak up to them this is in uh, by the Rungwa River in Tanzania. We sneak up to them and we're about 100 yards away. And I'm, I'm zooming up on them filming, getting like headshots of individual cows by themselves with their ears, you know, waving back and forth as they're fanning themselves. And I'm filming this cow and we're talking really soft. And in my mind, I'm thinking to myself, these elephants know we're here and they don't care because either that or they're, or they're totally blind. They don't have good eyes. And that's what it was. They had no idea we were there and they have bad eyesight. And these elephants, they were just going about their business, having no clue that we're there. And we're talking really, really soft. And then all of a sudden, Jim coughs. He got a frog in his throat or something. He goes, (coughs) and he clears his throat. And I'm zoomed up on this cow elephant's face. And she spins her head around and she fans out her ears and looks at us, like picks her head and her trunk up really high. And then she starts like, coming like where i'm like holy shit i gotta start zooming back (laughs) so i'm zooming back my camera but like i'm still thinking you know she's like a hundred and some yards away and they're not real fast like they they when an elephant's going as hard as they can they're like you know a person jogging pretty fast but not going full out and she's coming towards us but i'm thinking oh wow what's like what the heck's going on she's looks like she's kind of kind of pissed off and I'm still filming her, but I'm still focused. I got my other eyes shut. And I'm looking through the viewfinder on the camera. And then all of a sudden I hear our guide starts yelling, Quenda, 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 Quenda. And that's Swahili, which is their language for 
like get away, stop, stop, stop. And I take my head away from the viewfinder on the camera and I look up over my camera and the five other cows are coming full blast and they're like 40 yards away coming at us like freight trains. Whoa. And Shockey, Shockey's a muzzleloader hunter. So, and for those of you that don't hunt with them or don't know what a muzzleloader is, that's like an old style gun that you load from the muzzle, you pour powder down, you pour a bullet down and you get one freaking shot. Okay. So Shockey's got one shot. Mike Fell, he's like a famous African PH. He's our guide. We barely know the guy. It's our very first safari with him. He's like one of our, he's very good friends with us. I'll always be lifelong friends. He's a great guy. We went on millions of safaris with him, but this is the first couple of days with him. He's got a 470 nitro express. You hear people talk about like African safari guns. It's a 470 nitro. It's only got two bullets to double barrel. So he's got two bullets. So we got Mike fell with two bullets. We got Jim with one bullet in his muzzleloader. And we have five cow elephants coming at us like freight trains wanting to kill us. And I'm behind Jim and Mike. And I was told on the plane ride over there that I can't get emotionally involved when something charges us. I have no right to run, no right to shake the camera. I just have to capture it, document it, plant my feet and be brave and not worry about my own feelings or emotions. That's what Shockey told me on the way over there. Whoa. And in the moment, these elephants are coming at us. They're coming at us five abreast. I'm filming. I got it wide. These elephants are coming at us. It's on Jim. This scene is on one of Jim's shows. It was on his intro montage for, well, it's still there for 17 years. It's on his montage. These elephants are coming at us. Jim tells me beforehand that nothing's ever going to kill us because they'll shoot it in self-defense before it ever gets to me. So I just make sure the camera's rolling. All I see about three seconds before these elephants are going to kill us. And I think there's going to be rifle shots ring out. Mike and Jim go running past me. They just freaking turn and run and go running past me. And I'm like, holy shit. So I turn, I keep the camera on record and I'm like, I'm last in line now. I'm the closest one of the elephants. Oh shit. And I, we just ran as hard as we possibly could for about 150 yards. I like, I wasn't even going to shoulder check. I didn't want to see what was going on, but we ran about 150 yards and then slowed down to glance back and the cows, they slowed down and they stopped. But it was, that was my first experience with elephants and wow. mike we got all like back together and my buddy mike he's like sorry you're not you're not supposed to run you shouldn't run but when there's five elephants charging you and you have three shells you gotta run so <laughs> that's what we did <laughs> what is so we, out of it oh my god so it, it was uh over the next few years we got charged by elephants five different times jim had to jim had to shoot one bull or I'm sorry, Mike, Mike had to shoot one bull with his 470 nitro express at like six feet. And, and if there's any hunters out there, they would have seen that footage on the, the start of Jim Shockey's hunting adventures. It's a very famous hunting scene. Wow. wow. And, uh, uh, I've got to say that the best boots I ever had were elephant boots. Like it was elephant leather. It was the toughest leather in the history of cowboy boots. It, they were like a Tony Lama boot I found somewhere, but they were incredible. <laughs> But, but then we couldn't get that. Like, we can't get that hide. It's like it's outlawed in Canada, right? We got, there's, or there, it's very, very rare to get now. It's one of the toughest leathers, right? Yep. It, uh, so do you guys know uh, Brian Claypool? The, yeah, well, I was going to say, Ar yeah. Arlie's, your, uh, Arlie's your father-in-law. I got reading, right? Yes, sir. Yeah. So yep. And Brian, got... Brian, his brother, was the guy that died in the plane crash. Mm -hmm. Yeah, with... Uh, with um, I think there was a Solberg on the plane as well. And was it Jim Solberg? There was four of them in that 
that plane crashed. It was like somewhere over Oregon, wasn't it? Or was it a was it a northern Alberta flight? I forget now. No, it was really? over Oregon. Yeah. yeah. I'm good buddies with Brian Symington. You go. I'm like I'm from like Saskatoon area. I rodeoed all a bunch growing up with him and stuff. Oh, right on. Yeah. 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 Yep. I took Brian Simon. I took Brian hunting. He's my like he's Kelsey's cousin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's a dad now. Yep. I can't believe that little Brian's a dad. Yeah. <laughs> Got a gorgeous little baby girl. He's yeah, pretty lucky. Awesome. Yeah, he's he's doing good that yep. I'm happy for him. You're mentioning yeah, Quay Bowls, sure. though. So there must have been a story there so, with leather and the and the and the and what is now Cowtown, I guess. It used to be their stores. Yes. So so uh, I wanted to mention Brian Claypool because he's the famous cowboy that went down in that crash. But Brian's brother, Arlie, is my father-in-law. And I took Arlie hunting for the first time when I was still working for Jim Shockey. I wasn't dating his daughter yet. I, I had a crush <laughs> on his daughter. She was an absolute babe. And I, I took him hunting and I told him, I said, if I can get you a giant mule deer buck, can you get me a date with your daughter? Nice. And he's like, <laughs> he's like I can try, man. But number one, I think that's disgusting. I don't want you anywhere near my daughter. Number two, I don't. I think she's out of your league. And number three, I'd rather just get you a pair of cowboy boots because he had Claypool's boot and jean in Saskatoon. Yeah. So he had the big Western story. I'd rather just get you a pair of cowboy boots and get you anywhere near my daughter. So I got him a big mealy buck. He ordered me a pair of really fancy elephant skin cowboy boots. I go there. They come in after like a month and a half. This is like in 2006. The, cow- the elephant skin cowboy boots come in. I'm on a trip to go down to... Uh, the SCI convention, which is a big convention down Reno. in Reno, Nevada. Yeah. Reno. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, Arlie gives me my elephant skin boots and they are fancy. They're like 600 and some bucks. Yeah. I pull them on in the store. This is going they... to go bad. <laughs> well, they fit perfect. Like they're, yeah. they're deadly. They're awesome. Yeah. They're the nicest cowboy boots. Like I'm never going to buy another $600 pair of boots again in my life. No, you I don't put need them in pair. my suitcase. They're amazing. No, yeah, but the border is going to be a bad And time. I get on a United flight, good old United, and fly down to Reno, Nevada, and I never saw my bag again. And I never saw those elephant skin boots oh, again. I had no. them on my feet for 45 seconds. No. Oh, no. So do you That's think somebody United. stole your bag yeah. or did or did they ding you? Like if they if they took your bag, they wouldn't have, they would have told you that it was illegal skin or like what would they have or did somebody just steal your bag? What do you think? They just, I got to Reno and the, my bag never showed up on the, on the trolley. So I, I went to the lost luggage and filed a claim for it and it never showed up. Never got my bag. I lost all the stuff that was in my bag. That sucks so How much. How much camera gear is in there too? Shit. I, uh, well, we were just going to the Reno convention, so I wasn't oh, okay. taking any camera gear. Okay. It killed me. But okay. fellas, fellas, we got to circle back. Yes. Remember, remember early wanted to give me the boots instead of the daughter? Yeah, then what happened? <laughs> Jokes on him. I got the day with her dog, with his daughter, and I married her. Nice, oh, good for you, man. Hero, no. That's good. That's good. That's awesome. Bravo. Who, who needs boots now? Yeah. Wow. That's right. Now, now he has to give you boots. He's oh, no man. choice. Oh yeah. He like yeah. Jeez. He's got to provide for me for the rest of his life. <laughs> Jokes on. Jokes on him. Um, yeah. where, did, where, where did the live to hunt thing start? Where did that idea come from? When did you want to kind of take your own path with the with the TV thing? Well, I worked for Jim until 2008 and it was truly the ride of my life. Um, so grateful for all the experiences. So grateful for everything that he taught me. I call it Jim Shockey university, but <laughs> ultimately I'm, I'm passionate about the big game that we have 
here in North America. I love big mule deer, big whitetails, sheep, elk, moose. And he'd already lived that chapter in his life. He, he had spent so much time hunting in North America that he wanted to spend all of his time and all of his efforts hunting in different countries, you know, trying to find different outfitters in different places for different species that he had never done before. So it, I kind of, I was just uncomfortable the whole time. I think in the moment, I didn't appreciate those opportunities as much as I should have. I do now. And looking back, I'm very proud of everything that I did with them and all the experiences that I got, but I just got, I just got after seven years, I kind of got homesick. I, I missed rodeoing, you know, I, I couldn't rodeo and I, I couldn't focus on my, you know, my mule deer at home and my whitetails at home. And I deep down, ultimately I did have a dream or a goal to have my own TV show. So in 2008, I quit working for him and I started working on the vision to start what is now live to hunt, which is my own TV show. And that was, I guess that's 13 years ago now. And, um, Jim didn't talk to me for a while. We were, there was definitely some space between us and some, some bad blood. And then three years passed. And then he called me up out of the blue and like, you know, he, the guy means a lot to me and he's, he's a big deal. And he swings a big loop in the hunting industry. And when he called me, I was like on pins and knees. I was like, Holy crap. What, why is Jim calling me? Like he hasn't <laughs> talked to me in so long. And he was he was friendly. He's like, Hey man, how's it going? You know, how, how's your family? How's everything shows doing great. I've seen your show on TV and I would do whatever I can to help you get on in the United States. That's where the big market is for a hunting TV mm -hmm. show. The Canadian market, it exists, but it's not really a market that you can make a full-time job and succeed and, and really accomplish what you really want to. And he actually um, organized for his marketing agent to be my marketing agent and to represent me in the States. And he also talked to the American network, which is the outdoor channel. And he got me really good air times and he got me a bunch of sponsors and he was essentially my agent for my first three years in the United States. And he got me started in the States on the outdoor channel. And now we've been there for, this is our 10th season now that we're sending away that's airing right now on outdoor channel. So, wow. yeah. So, so do they, do they buy, I guess I, I wanted to go back further and, and ask you how you got going, but you, you kind of, you got noticed by Jim and he brought you on, you worked with him for, for as long as you did. Uh, you said seven years, I think you, you, you mentioned seven years, seven years. And then, yep, seven years. and then you build your own show and the networks, the networks buy the show or you make uh, your money off the, off the sponsorship or, or how, how does it work that way? I was, I was just kind of curious on how that fits. If you're willing to speak with that, you don't have to. For sure. So I, I go to the network and I buy commercial time. So in a half hour time slot, you can purchase up to six minutes of commercial time mm -hmm. and that's 12 30 second commercials. So essentially at, at, and the network actually saves one minute of commercial time for corporate buys so actually you can purchase five minutes of commercial time so that's 10 potential full paying sponsors that buy commercials from you where you endorse their products so i actually buy my airtime from the television network and i pay them money each year i have to buy those commercial spots and each commercial spot has a wholesale cost so then 
I speak for my commercial time and then I go to my sponsors or I go to companies and I try to form relationships and sign on sponsors, companies that believe in me to endorse their products. Just like, you know, Dustin has Wrangler jeans. I, I would have Botech archery or so I go out and if I can sell 10 commercial spots, then I buy five minutes of commercial time from the network. So I buy the commercial time wholesale and I sell it as a, with a retail price to my partners or my sponsors. And then you get the 30 minute slot for your show in the middle, which is a kind of a, yes, sir. can be potentially a 22 minute advertisement in itself for those companies that you're working with during the, the hunts, essentially when you're wearing their stuff and, and whatnot. Yes, sir. They, they're, they're, they're buying that 30 second commercial, but what they're really buying or what they're really interested in is to see you using their products and being successful in the field. And that's what they're, mm-hmm. I think, most excited about. Was that the same model Jim used as well? I'm thinking it, it must have been something similar. Yes, sir. It was structured the same then as well. That When Jim started his show was back in 2002, and that's when hunting television was exploding. It, it was really taking off. And it, it got to a point where too many people got hunting shows. It uh, The industry was flooded. At one point, I think there was four tele- four outdoor television networks wow. that were carrying just hunting and fishing, and then it crashed. And now, I, I wouldn't say it's still plummeting, but it's a lot of people have dropped off, and now it's back down to just a few, just two television networks, and it's it's I think it's stabilized now to where maybe where it's found its groove. Okay, I'm I'm curious, Cody. I'm not a hunter. I never have been. I've it's just something that hasn't come up yet. I've spent my life on the rodeo side of things and, you know, working now and, and whatnot, but might be more at a place now where I, I could get into something. Where, where, where would a person start that doesn't know, like wouldn't know where to start or anything where like, where do you, where does a person even, even get into, get into hunting now? If you wanted to have a hunting TV show um, <laughs> to make it as quick and simple as possible, first of all, you'd have to buy camera gear. Then you'd have to spend one or two years filming and compiling hunting stories and content. I just want to hunt. Though. Then, I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want to start a whole show. I just want to, I just want to hunt. I don't need to start a show. Oh, you, you want to know how to like to start hunting? Yeah. Like where does a person even start? I wouldn't have any idea. Like I got to find somebody I know that hunts and like go along with them. We need, we need a cowboy shit live to hunt crossover where we come <laughs> and Cody take us on a hunt. Yeah. We That's see that. the people. That's what we how guys. Would, I, how bad it would be. I would love to take you hunting. I don't know if you watch our show, but I, 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 used to, I remember, I, remember I, cause I used to watch the Jim Shockey show and stuff with my brother and my dad growing up. And then I remember when you split off into your own thing and was like, Oh yeah, Cody Robinson started his own, his own show. And then, yeah. So I watched the show a bunch growing up. Okay. Well, I, I, I love taking people hunting. It's like, it's my favorite thing to do. I love it more than, taking like going hunting myself i love taking people but to answer your question you like in saskatchewan for someone to start hunting you have to get your firearm safety course so you go take your firearm safety course it's probably a good idea to take your pal which is it's a canadian license it's a possession and acquisition license yeah it's to prove that they do a background check they make sure you're not a criminal make sure you don't have like suicide in your history it they give you a license and approve you to carry a firearm and to buy firearms and to buy um, ammunition. And then once you have your firearm safety and your pal, then you go buy a hunting license, go get permission from a farmer to go hunting. And from there, it's just, it's a bunch of trial and error. You'll go out there, 
you can drive around and hunt. You can be a road hunter. You can go and hike your boots off and go hunting in the backcountry. It's, you know, it's just kind of something that you have to do and get your hands on and, and learn from there and, and kind of find your own way. And, and what, uh, I'm kind of, I kind of want to go to the other side of it, but what, are, what are some of the, like, I could see it right now where I would love to go and get out in the bush and just go and be away from everything for a while. That's got to be one of the benefits, but what, what else do you love about it? What else would you say to somebody that might be considering it that way or want to maybe get into it? I, I like the challenge of hunting. I don't, you'll, you'll hear some redneck guys. Uh, you'll hear some people say, Oh, got to go out there and kill some shit. Or, you know, like and to me, that's fine. If you hear it, if they're talking about going to shoot gophers or, but to me, it's though that line is disrespectful. It, and it's each to their own. It's, it's not like I, I can't tell them how to live their lives or how to see things, but there's a saying that Jim used to say that he got from a philosopher from some book, but the saying was, I don't hunt to kill. I kill to have hunted. And to me, I love, I love being out there. I love the fresh air, but I love the challenge. It's no different than getting on a bucking horse and trying to cover them and trying to get a high score, like that adrenaline and that drive and the anticipation and everything that you feel being a rodeo cowboy it's this, it, it goes into hunting, it, you know, to go jump on a float plane and fly into the back country in the Yukon and get dropped off in the middle of nowhere with a two man tent, with a, with a water filter for your drinking water, with one knife, with a whole bunch of like dried foods to keep you going in the hopes that you kill a moose or a caribou within five days, because you're going to run out of meat or run out of food. So you need to provide for yourself. All of that stuff, it really makes you feel like you're living. It's it's crazy. Just you can go on a hunting trip and not even see an animal or not succeed, you know, not not your tag or not bring an animal home. But you can go on an adventure and it it's addicting. I I've taken a lot of non-hunters or new hunters, you know, people that didn't even really know if they liked hunting or if they were going to like hunting. I've taken them and let them experience it for themselves or give them that chance. And I don't know too many of them that didn't absolutely fall in love with it. It, it's not, it's not what people think, you know, people walk, you know, down an aisle in a service station, whether a rodeo guy, he'll walk down an aisle and he'll see a hunting magazine with a guy holding up a deer with his tongue hanging out, you know, holding a dead animal. And they'd be like, Oh yeah, hunting that ain't my thing. It's, the act of hunting and everything that comes with it is freaking awesome. I don't, I don't know too many people that haven't absolutely loved the daylights out of it. If they've been given a good chance to really appreciate what it's all about. I'm hooked. I'm in. <laughs> I'm sold, man. <laughs> I, I like that idea though. Ways so that could be a fun, uh, fun trip, but how, so yeah. how far out do we got a book Cody? Like we got a, you're probably booked up for a few seasons. With you guys, you guys just, you guys just pack all your cowboy shit in a bag and let me pick you up someday and let me take you hunting and let me show you, you know, take, we'll take a pack string into the Kootenai mountains in BC and we'll live off our fjord pack horses for 10 days and we'll hunt elk and probably not get an elk because we'll strike out, but we'll, <laughs> we'll have a hell of a time doing bush. it Damn. and like, jump in creeks and bathe every three or four days and freeze our bags off and 
like just everything that comes with it, catching trout in streams and climbing to the tops of mountains and exploring and it's cool stuff. It, it really mm-hmm. is. And there's like, it, I, I feel like honestly, it's in all of us. There, it's, it's part of our, who it's part of our culture. If you go back, all of our ancestors, they, they hunted to survive. It's in our yeah. blood. We're predators. It, yeah. It, I think you guys would enjoy it. Yeah, we got let's let's work on it. So I don't know. We'll get a get a lift to hunt. I'm getting Cowboy fired up right crossover. now. I want to go. I want to go now, right now. <laughs> um, oh, so I want I want one of your hats. That's what I want. Yeah, send me hey. uh send me your address. We'll get that dialed up. We'll do it right now. I want well, we'll to link up at the PBR finals or something or the PBR event oh, in Saskatoon yeah. or whatever. We're 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 around that area. Agribition. So. Agribition. Get you on the yeah. show at Agribition. Yeah. There's a so I raise registered Texas Longhorns, and there's the I can. I keep getting invited to come and show my longhorn heifers at agribition each year. Oh, there you go. And I can never go because I'm always behind. And there's, that's like the last 10 days of hunting season. Yeah. And I tell the Texas longhorn people, I'm like, Oh yeah, I'll be there. I'll be there. I'll I'll take a few days off hunting. And then it's, it's like the last, for me, it's like the last three rodeos of the year. And I'm behind (laughs) enough that I need to go to those rodeos to try and win a check. Try and try and make the CFR. Try and make the finals. Yeah. We yeah, gotta, we just gotta leave so I never make little, aggribition with my house. We just gotta leave a little early for aggribition, Ted, and go go see him. Well, the good thing, the good thing though, is that aggribition starts the twenty second. It's done the twenty eighth, so you still have the 29th and thirtieth after, afterwards. So those can be your your last two. You could like, oh yeah, come during. Yeah, you still I could cram. I could cram my last three hunts in the last two days. Yeah, two days would be <laughs> fine, right? That'd be perfect. <laughs> oh, yeah. wait, so you got anything else here? We we're getting. Uh, I, I've, I I've one more. I have one more question. I have two more questions. One more pertains to more time thing and more another one kind of more on the other side of things. Um, so how many hours of footage do you have to compile for a season of your show? Like what that's got to take a lot of time, a lot of effort, a lot of time behind the camera and editing to get it, get it all together. We produce 13 original episodes. The content within each episode, uh, 22 minutes long of actual hunting and not commercials and promo stuff, but to capture 13 stories that are 22 minutes long we're filming from about august 25th until december 10th dark till dark every day we're we're flying all over north america we have two and three and four cameras going every day all day it's a grind and it's it always seems to fall into place there's some years where we capture 17 or 18 really good stories and we have a couple stories that we can put in the can and save in the vault for a bad year and it always seems to balance out we'll get 17 or 18 one year and we'll get nine or ten next year but we'll have some saved from the year before so we always seem to get by but it's to answer the question thousands of hours mm-hmm. of footage and then do you do all the editing yourself or do you have a team that does it for you now or how's that look i have a full-time cameraman and editor and he's He's with me all the time. He's filming all the time when we're not hunting. He's back logging footage in our studio and, you know, just labeling everything, getting everything organized. And then in the summertime for four months in the summer, he's editing shows. And then once a week I go and stop at his house and I sit there and we actually record voiceover. So I watch the stories and then I record a narration and we put that in and then he sends it away to the network and then we do it all again. So what was the feeling like seeing the first episode of live to hunt on TV after like starting where you started hunting with your grandma, taking the camera out with your buddies, working with Jim and t- getting to that point? Like, what did that feel like? It was, uh, 
it was very proud, very proud moment, but it was also, I don't know, every time I actually watch myself on TV or watch the show on TV, I, I tr- actually try not to, <laughs> but I think everyone I've ever watched, I get, I cuss, I get mad. <laughs> I walk away and I, I, I get mad about audio or I get mad about a shot that we made, or I get mad that I feel like we didn't try hard enough. And I feel like, Oh, I walked away from like, Oh, we got to do way better. And I, I kind of make a rule not to watch because it gets me frustrated. And people are like, what's the problem? Like the show's fine. I don't know what you're dealing with, but something mentally, I can't, I can't accept whatever I watch on the screen on a TV. I feel like it could have been better. So it's, I try and avoid it, but I, I was very proud when I saw the very first episode for sure. Did you ever feel that way watching an episode of Jim's show that you've done then? Or is it kind of different when it's your show and you kind of behind the camera in front of the camera rather than behind it? Um, I remember watching Jim's show and being a part of Jim's organization when I was with him. And I, I remember like personally thinking of Jim as a, a grumpy old school teacher and kind of a, a pain in the butt, like a crotchety boss. And as soon as I wasn't a part of his organization and I left, he was my hero again. Like it, everything that he accomplished, I, I really admire and appreciate watching his show now that I'm not a part of it because when I was watching it, when I was responsible for it, when I was editing it and filming it and doing all of the production work, it was the same thing. It was like, oh man, I could have done this better. That could have been better. You can't just watch it and appreciate it for what it is. You're thinking, you're looking at it and dissecting it, you know, as an editor. So as soon as I wasn't a part of him, it was way more enjoyable to watch. Nice. Well, now next thing I wanted to ask, what was your senior hockey career with the Delisle Bruins? How, how oh, long, the how long did you Bruins. What, year, what years did you play for Delisle? I, uh, are you, how, how do you know about the Delisle Bruins? Like, what's I, going well, on? I grew, I grew up, <laughs> I grew, I grew up in Nakum. So I played, I played hockey like in all that area growing up. And then my last year, or my first, my year of grade 12 and my first year out of grade 12, I played for the Nakum Viking senior team. And we always seem to draw the, the, oh, the yeah. Bruins, the first round provincials. And we always get shit on by you guys. Cause you guys had such a good team. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, so I, I never played uh, I was told by my parents when I was like 13 or 12 that, I could either rodeo or I could play hockey. And I like, if I'm being straight up, I loved hockey. I'm not saying I was a good hockey player, but I loved hockey, but it was, it was more convenient. And I also loved rodeoing and I, I picked rodeoing and I, so I rode steers, a team rope to rode Bronx. But when I was 18, 17 or 18, I hadn't played any minor hockey. I didn't play peewee. I didn't play bantam. I didn't play midget. I had no body contact experience. And one of my best friends, he's going to try out for the Delisle Bruins. And he's like, oh, come try out with me. And I love playing hockey, but all I did is play scrub, like with skates in your stick, play scrub on the pond until I was 17. And like senior <laughs> hockey, you don't just go play senior hockey no. when you don't have experience. So I go to tryouts with him, just thinking I'm like just going to keep him company and just trying to be a good friend, but I'm going to get cut. There's like 45 people at tryouts. They're cutting it down to 21 people or 18 people. I don't even remember, but like the first night they didn't cut me second night. They didn't cut me. And then like the last night of tryouts, the they cut your coach buddy. calls me into, <laughs> calls me into his office. And I'm like, okay, well I'm like 
going home now. It was fun. It was fun hanging out with my buddy, but whatever. He throws me a windsuit. He's like, <laughs> you're on. We're, we're dressing you. We're going to, we're going to have you play with us this year. I'm like, are you like, I've never played body contact. He's like, yeah, whatever. You got wheels. You're, we feel like we, we want to work on you. You're going to be our project this year. So I played senior hockey for seven years. My first shift, I, I remember I was so nervous. I could skate like the wind, but I had no brains and I like didn't know <laughs> to keep my head up. And I remember my first shift, I jump on the ice and I, it's in our end. Our defenseman picks the puck up. I go over, I get up against, I get up against the boards to give him an outlet. He rips the puck around the boards to me. And I just, I stop up. Like I'm going to stop it against the boards on my skate. I stop it and I go to kick it to my stick and boom, there's snot all over my visor. <laughs> I'm looking at the roof and I'm like completely smoked. And there's like a string of snot stuck out on my visor. And I'm like, all I could think about was, oh, this is embarrassing. Get your ass up and get back in the fight. So I get back up and I'm skating down the ice down to their end. And I'm like behind the play. And I'm like, I'm hurt. I'm like, I'm winded. <laughs> I just, I, and I'm thinking about how hurt I am and how winded I am. And I'm like, not even thinking. I'm like, just get, get your ass back in there. I just get into their end and catch up to the play and the puck hits me in the chest. And I like, it kind of gets me back on my heels and I try to like comprehend where it's going and boom, there's snot all over my visor again. (laughs) I got smoked so freaking hard in my first shift and I I'm laying on the ice and the play is gone again. I'm like, don't stay down. That's one rule I had. You never stay down unless both legs are broken. You make it to the bench. And I remember making it to the bench and everybody on the team, because they all knew I'd never There's played. <laughs> they're just like all the older, like all oh. the guys that were like my heroes and stuff, like the first line, they're just roaring. Oh. And I, I learned to keep my head up very quickly. Jeez. Well, that's no, that's no easy feat to make that team. Cause they have a bunch of X NHLers and stuff on that team that are like studs. So kudos to you. They have, they've always had a great hockey program and mm. it was, it was so fun. I like, honestly, Senior I felt like I was in the NHL. I, I was yeah. so proud and so proud to be a part of that team. I I'll tell you what my first my uh my first hockey fight. So there's this guy. <laughs> we're playing the Beachy Bombers, and there's this guy Berkowitz, and he just came home from the WHL. I think he played in Kamloops or something. But like you'd hear you'd hear all the guys that knew hockey talking about Berkowitz this, Berkowitz that, or they talk about Evans, like their goals, like you'd hear certain names off each team. Like, you know, certain players, you know, the fighter, you know, the good defenseman, you know, the, you know, their ringers, whoever. And this Berkowitz just came home from the dub and everyone's talking about how tough he was. We're beating them like five, two. And I hadn't got a shift. I was like, I was just, I think I was like the extra forward that game and we're winning five, two. So then the coach puts me in for the last 10 minutes of the game. And of course I'm like, frigging, there's a fire under my ass. I want to prove myself. But the game's like over. Nobody's, everyone's just letting the clock run out, but not me. I'm, I'm, buzzing. To the wall. I'm there to prove myself. <laughs> so Evans, Evans is their goal scorer. He's their import at the time. He just goes around killing time, goes around behind his net just to try and make a breakout pass. But they're like, things have just kind of down to 80%. Like the game's kind of decided. I meet Evans behind the net and I just crush him. My greatest, <laughs> probably my greatest body check I ever laid. And like, there was like a sensitivity in the air because it was like the end of a five game series and we were winning and it was like over. I crushed this guy completely annihilated. (laughs) I left my feet. I shouldered him. I crushed him. And within like half a second, there's just a pile. 
all over me against the glass. And I don't know who's in the scrum. Nobody drops their gloves, but there's a lot of guys calling me names and things are intense. I'm not real popular, but things calm down really quick. And I leave the scrum and I'm skating back to our bench. I didn't even get, didn't get a penalty or nothing. Skating back to the bench. Thank you. My lucky stars. I didn't get my ass cleaned up. And this bare hand comes over my chest and grabs me by the Jersey and <laughs> spins me around. And I spin around and I look and it's Berkowitz from, from Kamloops. And he's like six foot four and he's like, got his fists up and he's like, <laughs> let's roll. And, the, and it's a hometown game in Delisle. And there's a place called the bear pit. And the bear pit is where like all the ex Delisle Bruins guys sit. And it's like, they're a passionate hockey town. So this guy grabs me and spins me around and the bear pit erupts because like they <laughs> love fights and I'm skating backwards. And this guy's coming, like he's dancing, coming closer and closer, getting ready to take a swing at me. And I'm like, I'm 5'11". I'm not a fighter. This guy's a fighter in the dub. And he's like six foot four. And he's oh, about man. to, he's Wax about to you. grab me. <laughs> yeah. So I'm like, okay, I can't let the bear pit down. I can't let myself down. I'm the little, I'm the little bitch that just hammered the goal scorer <laughs> behind the net. So I got, I got it. Like I got a man up somehow. So this is what I came up with. I'm thinking to myself, I'm going to, I'm going to slowly lower my gloves to the tips of my fingers and keep skating backwards. And I'm going to let him catch up to me. And right when he has the confidence to reach out and grab me, I'm going to whip my gloves in his face <laughs> and take it from there. <laughs> so I, so I lower, I lower my gloves and I just barely got a hold of the last piece of leather with my fingertips. And I start to slow down and he, he gets closer and he just gets to where he, like I'm in reach. He reaches out to grab me and I whip my gloves into his face and it knocks him on his heels. And I just jump at him and grab him by the Jersey and drift him <laughs> right in the nose. Like one of the greatest punches I've ever thrown in my life, just pulverized him right in the nose. And then I grabbed him with both hands by the jersey, by the collar, and jerked him down on top of me and, like, put him in a headlock. <laughs> wow. And the, the linesmen the linesmen jump on us. And Saved your life. And they got him. Like, I'm not fighting. I'm laying flat on the ice <laughs> with all three of them laying on me. And he's like, we're nose to nose. And there's blood dripping out of his nose onto my face. And all I remember him doing was gritting his teeth saying, I'm going to kill you. If, if these guys let go of me you are dead. You're never going to walk again. And the two lines, when there was a lines on each one of his arms and all I was saying was like, you guys better not let go of this guy. Don't <laughs> let go of this guy. <laughs> and they, they never oh, let him go. And they took him, they, they took us both off the ice. And I never saw Berkowitz again, oh, but lucky. what a shift. Yeah. That was my first hockey fight. That's a badass. Wow. That's good. Yeah. So, well, um, one more anyways. That's it, man. I'm going to let you ask this question one time. Yeah, we got to do it. Yeah. It's Ooh. Ted's turn. Ted's turn really? to ask the big question. It's episode ninety-eight, and uh, there's a question we ask everybody on the show, Cody, and and it's uh, to each person, what is their definition of cowboy shit? So, Cody, what's your definition of cowboy shit? Cowboy shit. Uh, that's like stuff Jimmy rigged on your saddle. Um, I don't. I don't know what. I don't want to fail at this. What's cowboy shit? No wrong answer, man. It's, it's yeah. Some for some, it's kind of a what it means to you, man. Yeah, for some, it's kind of a, an essence, a feeling, a thought, a, uh, a way to live. For some, it's uh, action, something that way. So there's lots of ways it can go. I would, whatever you're thinking. 
I would say like roping a mangy yearling and tying her down and treating her to me, that's cowboy shit. That's stuff, stuff that you can't fake stuff that like, if you're not a cowboy, you aren't going to do it. Eating sheep, eating sheep brains and I, yeah, and in Iran. that's cowboy shit. That's in Iran. That's cowboy. I, shit. Yeah. Keeping it down. Not even, I guess it could be. <laughs> Nice. Yeah, that's good. Hey, that's that's got wish it to me. Thanks, Cody. Let's throw a plug in for yeah. your show here too. Live to hunts on the outdoor channel and the sportsman channel Canada, Sundays, 7 p.m. Eastern. Check it out, eh? Or check Cody's website, live to hunt.com, live the number two hunt.com. Anything else we uh, we got to pump here? While social media. What's, what's your social media handles? So we have social, we have uh we really push Instagram and Facebook, and they're both live to hunt with Cody and Kelsey. And with a number two and live to hunt be sure to check them out on the social medias awesome thanks for doing this cody that was a lot of fun man is thank you so much for having me i i loved it i want to take you guys hunting yeah, it's happening it's we're happening the, we're doing it for sure that's the trade you want me on the podcast do some cowboy shit stuff you guys have to come do some hunting stuff yeah 100 okay thanks cody All right. Thanks to our guest on the show this week, Cody Robbins. Thanks for the time. This is episode 98 of Cowboy Shit. I'm Ted. He's Wacy. Things might get a little weird here soon, folks. Wacy may have uh, prepared himself <laughs> yeah, for an evening no. of sleep. I don't know. But oh, we're going to have to wrap the show up pretty quick. But Cowboy <laughs> Shit is squirrely here soon. Yeah. Cowboy Shit is sponsored by manscaped.com. Use the promo code HUGEBUSH for 20% off and free worldwide shipping. This is not a drill. That is a real promo code. It is not a joke. Huge Bush is the, your ticket to a new lawnmower or a weed whacker. And La- nice looking nuts. <laughs> the lawnmowers <laughs> for the downstairs, the weed whackers for the upstairs. Keep those ear hairs and nose hairs trimmed up real nice. And after you're all manscaped, you can head on over to ranchwater.ca. Find out where to get yourself a crack open a cold, cold crispy ranch water or the new sweet water. Mm. So, and man, how about Mark's? Mark's Work Warehouse. Actually, sorry, Mark's. It's not Mark's Work Warehouse, okay? I it's Mark's that now, up earlier. Right? It's Mark's. Cool. It is Mark's. So check it out. Mark's now with Wrangler. Check them out. They got some cool stuff. Mm-hmm. 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 Check them and out. Thanks, thanks for being another partner of, of Cowboy Shit for the month of August. For this, That's exciting. Uh, this month, so. Let's go. What did you think of my modeling poses, Wacy? By the they're good. Time? Actually, Cheers. they're pretty. You're, you just killed it. Yeah, I'm Ted and I drive a Dodge Ram. <laughs> oh, dear. Man, how about uh, what else is going on? It's Sunday night. I'm kind of tired out here. My, my brain's I'm all powering. I was, okay, was going to ask you something about Cody's. Oh, man, events thing. too. Events. Oh, oh sh- okay. We got you stuff on the events go. first. Okay. I was going to say, like, make sure if you haven't signed up yet, uh, September 14th, the uh, Canadian Party of Sports Medicine Team Golf Tournament at Valley Ridge, our home course. Wacey and I might be our home course, but we probably still won't win. <laughs> but we will be there and we will try. Um, check it out though. There's still spots available, teams available. Get a hold of Brian and Tommy if you know them, or check out the Canadian Pro Rodeo Sports Medicine Medicine team on the web or somewhere on the social medias. Get yourself signed up. Uh, we got bull busting with Cody Snyder coming up on uh, uh, what I like Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Yeah, seventh, eighth, and ninth. Yeah, seventh, eighth, and ninth of September. Check that out. Bull busting is back. Yeah, gonna be in Pinoco. And and Cochrane on Labor Day. Um, what else we got? Uh, 
Lethbridge this weekend. I think we talked about it on the top of the show. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. we're back. Events are happening, man. And uh, we're rolling. Yeah, sports medicine team. There's, I think there was something else, but I forget what it was now. But anyways, proceed. Okay, about hunting stuff. Yeah, hunting. Would you, where, totally. where would you like if you could go hunt somewhere anywhere in the world? Where would you go? Hmm. Anywhere in the world. I, I think it's almost like hunting involves the camping aspect too, a little bit, right? Oh, or it yeah. It can be kind of fun that way. Like, but I, I've, I've never even thought about that, dude. I have no idea right now. I think, I think it'd have to be like something in Africa. I think it'd have to be over think there. So? Somewhere I haven't been yet. And something like you probably get into some pretty wild hunting over there. Yeah. That'd be, that'd probably be uh, where I, I'd have to start. I, I think about that too. And like, I'd be so scared to go somewhere with snakes. <laughs> Actually, I'm fucked. He's sick. For those who don't know, like snakes are my like greatest fear. Well, how and... about he was talking about eating a snake? Yeah, and I wouldn't eat no damn snake. My dad snake has egg. stories about eating snakes too. Yeah, snake Ugh, egg. Oh man, that's wild. I'm not. I'm not where, but... so where would you go? If mine's Africa, uh, where, where would you go? Man, I'd like to go up to the Yukon. Go like hunt oh, like a moose need. or something would be kind of cool. I've never been up there before. Right. I know it's kind of a lame answer, but. Not that uh, way. I, I don't. I don't want to go somewhere where cool, there's. Way, Canada is cool. Canada. I don't cool. want to. Well, I just when you can pick anywhere in the world, somewhere you live is kind of funny, but less exciting. Yeah, but um, yeah, it'd be a cool vanil- to go. Vanilla answer, but yeah, kind of vanilla out. answer. Thanks. All out. I usually don't have like Likes original chips. It's okay. I don't like original that, chips. No, I said that, that's coming from me. I said it was oh, yeah. answer, the... I like. I like original oh, chips. I like vanilla chips. I like chips a dip. Yeah. I'm I'm a big fan of those too. So get some like some like lightly salted old Dutch ripples with the uh, oh yeah with oh, yeah. urban gar urban garlic oh yeah uh, get a little dip in dip. there oh man that's good um going back to the Ivy Park rodeo stuff if tell us your thoughts on on uh, on the line and what what you think of everything I'm curious so tell us tell us your thoughts that way send us a note hit Let's us up on chat. Twitter um it's not quite an animal fight like we've had <laughs> going previously but but still a good conversation mm. um. And then what else, Waste? We got, uh, well, I want to talk about this WCR, some of the yeah. WCRA stuff. Yeah. The other day in, uh, the other day in uh, Salt Lake City, there was a couple different, uh, different neat pieces. They're, they're paying their athletes to make sure they're, they're uh, signing autographs, meeting fans. Mm-hmm. Um, Tacey K. Webb entered the days of 47 and 30th position with 369 and a half points, nominated four events for a total of $459, and she won 26600 she does that two more times. She'd win a million bucks. Wow. Like wins the events. Right. Mm-hmm. So kind of neat that a, that a person can spend uh 400 bucks to enter these events and win 26,000. So it's just a, That's not, yeah, it's good. A little good more. Show, yeah. Right. And then, and then also in, uh, in, uh, Salt Lake city, Riley Webb, he's, he's like 17 years old. It's a high school kid. Yeah. He has a chance to win a million bucks and, and misses his calf. Doesn't, doesn't get a time, but he, oh, he only no. had to be like under eight seconds to, to win a million bucks. Like it, this was on the line. And then, yeah, then ends up missing. So kind That's of crazy quite the that amount way. of pressure to be under as a 17 year old. Oh, hey, not even like out of, not even out of high school. So yeah, pretty interesting shit that the WCRA is doing. They, one thing they did is they actually wrote an entirely new rule book. And then yeah. like one of the things that happened was that uh, Tyler Wagesbeck went from having a broken barrier, the pigtail hung in it in this horse's tie down. And then he actually won the round and the gold medal because of the instant replay challenge. So he had a successful wow, challenge. Nice. And he actually ended up winning the event where I was talking to Scott Davis afterwards. And he was like, yeah, normally um, he's driving home empty, empty handed yes, after yeah. his, after this, that qualifying run on a broken barrier, but at the WCRA with the replay, he's around winner advances and take advantage and wins the whole rodeo. So it's kind of a, it's, it's cool, man. Right. It's, it's, that's something, that, that's that's something that's like, like should be 
the norm at most places that have like the ability to do that. Like you should be able to, if you can challenge a goal in hockey or an offside, you should be able to challenge the barrier or like whatever it may be. Mm-hmm. And and for, for Tacey in the bear in the WPRA, she might not even be in the top 30, but, but this is kind of what the WCRA does. If you're, if you can go in, if you can go in, you're going to get paid. Okay. doesn't matter what goes on. Go do the in, work, do the work, get paid. Get paid. Yeah. Like Scott, um, Scott told us. As Scott told us. So again, WCRA, Bobby Moat, Casey Duggan, Scott Davis. Appreciate what you guys are doing. I think I'm sure everybody in the rodeo business appreciates it too. Mm-hmm. Um, like it's, it's new money and, and you can go, go in. Just got to go do the job and get paid. There you go. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, what else we got, Waste? Anything else? Should we wrap it I'm up good. here? I'm good, man. Yeah. I think you've had enough. I think so. <laughs> uh, yeah. 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 All right. Okay, we'll wrap it up here. Oh, no, Thanks. wait. Did we talk about the... We didn't talk... We got some new stuff coming in the fall. Oh, yeah. Right we just, I just ordered it the other day. Yeah. A whole bunch of new That's designs. Exciting. Oh, man. We got some big stuff in the way with the Cowboy shit. We got buckles in the works with Montana Silversmiths. They're going to be coming out in January. I was down there for the sales meeting the other day in Billings. Nice. My first trip to America in quite a while. Luckily, got the... Uh, had my vaccines, got home, didn't have to quarantine. Had to get a couple tests going there and back, but it wasn't uh, wasn't too bad. But kind of nice to be able to go back and forth now. Hell, yeah. Um for the first time in a long time, but yeah, those new buckles, a couple dog tags coming in January. We're also going to be at the Dallas, uh, at in Dallas at the Wiesa market Western. And uh, really, yeah, we're, we've got a, oh, that's we're, awesome. Working on getting a booth down there. We, we, uh, signed up and put, put our money down for the, to have a booth. So if you want to come to the, the big D that I didn't know, know this, you guys didn't tell me. <laughs> oh yeah. Sorry, dude. We, I thought we did. <laughs> no, we only I did it like this. this last week. Like that's since fucking I got sweet, home man. from, uh, only did it since I got home from there. So it's been like, yeah, it's been a week. Um, but yeah, January in Dallas, we're going to have a booth uh, for all the major. Man, can I come? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, you're in. Consider it done. Yeah. We'll get you down there. So uh, yeah, Dallas in January. Also, we're working on something for the NFR to be there. Like we said, Agribition will have a bit of boots on the ground there. CFR still working on. Um, but a few different things in the works. New merchandise. We just ordered it. We're going to have a new, a uh, couple new colors couple new designs, bunch of new yeah, hats. Looking fresh for the fall. Your fall fit yeah, will be back looking to school, good. Courtesy of cowboy shit. Hell yeah. Right? All and right. it is allowed in schools. I have teacher friends who've allowed it in their schools. So yeah. it doesn't say it says cowboy. It's blanked out. It doesn't. It's 2021. Yeah, exactly. So Beyonce, if you want some cowboy shit, hook us up. We'll, we'll uh, trade these. We'll do a little uh, straight across. If you yeah. Want. yeah. All right. Thanks for listening. Thanks again to our guest this week, Cody Robbins. Thanks to my booking agent, uh, podcast manager, Wacey Anderson, co-host as well. See, um, I can't tell how to. Gang, gang. You're, you're, you're doing Oh, no. Oh, yeah, that. There you go. Yeah. This side. Hey. Over yeah. Here. Uh, Wacey, great job on getting Cody booked for the show. That was an awesome inter- interview. Um, next up, we'll, we'll be back with episode 99. Great one. It's going to be on September 8th. Uh, we don't know who the guest is yet, but we're going to do his best. Well, we're we're awesome. working on something for our 100th episode too. So stay tuned yeah, to social media for tuned. that. We're, we'll have a plan and stay tuned. hope to get some people together and celebrate. Exactly. It'll be awesome. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Thanks for listening again. Cowboy shit is proudly sponsored by circle four beverage company and manscaped along with marks for the month of August. Thanks for listening. Thanks for being part of the show, everybody. Check us out. Cowboy shit.ca. We'll see you. Closing time. Open all the doors and let you out into the world. Closing time. Turn all of the lights on over every boy and every girl. Closing time.
time One last call for alcohol So finish your whiskey or beer Closing time You don't have to go home But you can't stay here I know